Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is the Character and Smallman Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's Character and Smallman. Happy Monday. Great to have you with us on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It's coming up on 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle Smallman, good morning. Good morning, Randy Carriker. How are you? Everything's great. Good weekend. I'm ready to go, refreshed, and uh, having fun. Nobody loses when you're coming back to work on a Monday morning in March. Uh, why? Because we have Blues hockey and now Cardinal baseball. And they don't lose. That's right. <laughs> and I'm still riding high over that Blues game on Saturday night, which we are going to talk, talk about at length today. But if you're not still fired up about Jordan Bennington and what you saw out of that Blues team going back and forth and clawing back for the victory, then I don't know what to tell you. Normally, especially with a West Coast game and a West Coast start, 830 start, I am or 930 start. I, I, I can get right to bed. That was a game where I was so wound up that I watched the, the entire post-game show, and then I came over and listened to a little bit of what <laughs> we were doing on 101 ESPN. That was a pretty amazing game. That was one that you just couldn't just fall to sleep after. Absolutely. I was wired, too. I watched the post-game. I had to throw something on Netflix afterwards mm-hmm. to try and quiet my mind. But that was one of those games where in the first period, you're thinking, man, am I going to stay up and watch this game? Like, of course we are, but mm-hmm. am I going to physically be able to? Because you and I like to go to bed early, especially yep. even on a weekend. We, we tend <laughs> to go to bed early. And once that second period got rolling, I was like, well, there's no chance that I'm going to fall asleep during this game. That was one of the most exciting hockey games I have seen in a long, long time. It was epic. We're going to talk to Chris Kerber about that game. Coming up at 8.15 at 8.45, we're going to head down to Florida. Mike Claiborne from the Cardinal Broadcast crew and our long time friend will join us as well the cardinals did play yesterday their spring training lid lifter as they call it yes i love that (laughs) and they wound up in a 4-4 tie with the washington nationals cardinals scoring two in the bottom of the ninth to tie the game and that's where they decided to end it but the big story of the day because you never remember a result from a spring training game but it was the first time nolan arenado stepped to the plate as a member of the cardinals and when we first started playing on the new stadium Listen to this. It's too bad it's not a packed house. Yeah, too bad. A couple of thousand people in there and still very loud and very boisterous for Nolan. I know. I'm I'm with Jimmy there. Too bad it wasn't a packed house just because you want Nolan Arenado to be able to feel the full mm-hmm. scope of what Cardinal Nation is. But I would think even getting that ovation from the limited crowd that was allowed to be on hand down in Florida shows him the type of reception he's going to consistently get in St. Louis. I'm just guessing here that down at Talking Stick in Arizona, Scottsdale, they didn't give him 
That's sort of a standing ovation. They might not have had that many people for Rockies games down at Talking Stick. Which is so unfortunate to think about a player of that caliber who isn't appreciated in the way that he should be. And, of course, as time goes on here in St. Louis, if he is not living up uh, from a performance standpoint, Cardinal fans are going to make him hear that, too. But at least for now, this first portion of spring training probably up until what do you say like a month or two Mm -hmm. into the regular season he's gonna feel the love so what did he think of that standing up no that was awesome you know it was just great to see that and you know obviously i said i definitely saw it and i definitely heard it and it was awesome obviously i was trying to stay locked in on the at bat and obviously it wasn't very great at bat in that situation but it was awesome it was you know these fans are great and i've always had a lot of respect from the other side and now i have them on my side, it's a, it's a pretty unbelievable feeling. I know my family was pretty stoked. I got a lot of texts about it, so it was pretty cool. That is pretty cool that other people are noticing. How difficult do you think it would be to stay locked into the at-bat, though, when that's the first time that you're really feeling Cardinal Nation cheer for you? They're giving you a standing ovation mm-hmm. in your first at-bat of spring training. I think it would be difficult, at least for me, to focus on the task at hand. Yeah, I, I was wondering if an eight-year player that's playing a spring training game. This isn't like a home opener in the regular season or a postseason game. I wonder if an eight-year player has any butterflies when stuff like that happens. I'm sure. It's still the first day of school. Yeah, it is. Even though he's comfortable with guys on the team and he's been down there since the first second he was allowed to be down there. And we've heard him in, in the cuts coming out of spring training prior to this we need wins he's very comfortable already but i would imagine that wearing that new uniform and getting up there even in spring training as a member of a new team you have to be a little nervous it's just human nature but outside of that first at bat what about the rest of the day yeah i felt like any spring training day um which was nice and um it was just great to be out there great to see fans in the building and uh it was just awesome it was awesome to get back out there again and play again and see pitching and see a different uh, face a different team. Michelle, we'll talk about this later, but uh, Jack Flaherty was just, he was inconsolable after the game. He talked he about how he sucked and he was terrible. Yeah. His first spring training start, and he does allow three runs. He goes an inning plus, and uh, he strikes out one and walks three. But it was your first spring training start. But don't you want that to be the the ace of your staff? Someone that cares that much and that wants to be that great at all times? I'm watching this going, we're talking about practice. This is practice. Mm -hmm. The the classic Allen Iverson, this is practice, dog. You do not get that (laughs) upset. But then the other part of me thinks that's what I want out of my ace. I want a Jack Flaherty to be that upset after a bad inning of spring training baseball. That's what we want here in St. Louis, that fire, that passion, that intensity to win. Among other pitchers that are going to be here this year, John Gant, two scoreless innings. He walked a couple and struck out three. Anthony Reyes with a scoreless inning. He looked really good. Cabrera, not as good. And then Giovanni Gallegos closed it out with a couple of strikeouts in his inning of work. So overall, the Cardinal pitching staff was representative. It it was actually pretty darn good, aside from Jack Flaherty. And again, it's the first spring training appearance for Flaherty and I take the same thing that I got out of Giovanni Gallegos who was great as I do out of what Flaherty did it, it's, it doesn't matter come a month from now on April 1st which is the start of the regular season in Cincinnati. Exactly. Take everything with a grain of salt. Good performances, bad performances, especially this early on. I always go back to Miles Michaelis, Randy, when he first came. Mm -hmm. And remember his spring training outings and how 
rough they were. And all of us in St. Louis were thinking, what did Mo and this front office do? <laughs> Who is this guy? He's eating lizards. We, there's no way he's going to be effective for the Cardinals. And then he <laughs> he goes out during the regular season and puts together a pretty great resume. So yeah. you got to take all of that, especially pitching with the grain of salt. And aren't hitters always ahead of pitchers anyway? Uh, they always say pitchers are ahead of hitters. Pitchers are ahead of hitters. Yeah. Okay. But whether or not that's accurate anymore, I don't know. I, I think, wonder with with a pandemic. Well, the pandemic and all the technology that hitters have and the ability. Now, there are pitching machines that will totally simulate exactly what a pitcher does. Spin rate. So, let, for example, if Nolan Arenado wanted to get in the cage against a Garrett Cole slider, mm-hmm. the machine would do exactly what Garrett Cole does when he's pitching. So the ability... Uh, during the entire offseason of the hitters to perfect their craft is accessible now. Isn't that incredible? It's amazing. Yeah, it, the, the movement, the spin rate, the, the velocity will be identical to whatever pitcher you want to plug in there. You want to go pu- plug in the Adam Wainwright curveball, and it'll throw you the Adam Wainwright curveball. But you know what? That machine can't simulate the intensity of a pitcher. Right. Having a Yadier Molina behind the plate, the pressure of the moment, you can't simulate that. No. The Cardinals off today, so they don't have to do anything. They're going to play golf. They're going to have fun. And then they're back at it tomorrow with their second game of spring training. Michelle, did you get a chance to watch any of the golf yesterday? I saw the end. I saw okay. the end, and I saw Colin Morikawa. Yeah, he, it was great to see him win. And I thought it was really cool that the players, many of them individually, and Morikawa actually wanted his company to send him a red shirt mm-hmm. with black pants and a black hat, but he wasn't able to. But... A little more than a dozen players wore the tiger uh, red shirt, black pants, and red hat. Which or I thought, black hat. yes, which I thought was amazing. Just an homage to Tiger and showing him support in whatever way that they could. And obviously, Tiger appreciated it with mm-hmm. you know the post that came out of his social media saying that it meant a lot to him and to see the players doing that and golf fans doing that, sending their love and support. But how many of these guys that we're seeing on tour right now? like Colin Morikawa, are golfers because of Tiger Woods. Right, yeah, they became golfers because of Tiger. And Morikawa, uh, I think it meant a lot to him to win this week in in the week that Tiger did get injured. So uh, you have a guy that is a perfect representation of what Tiger is. By the way, Patrick Reed, and we talked to Jay Delsing on Friday about how Patrick Reed would be a good villain for the PGA Tour. Yesterday was the first time that Rory McIlroy had ever worn the red and black at at all, let Mm -hmm. alone on Sunday. And when Patrick Reed signed with Nike, talk about gall. He asked if he could wear red and black on Sunday. So before he'd ever won anything, he said, yeah, can I wear red and black on Sunday like Tiger does? Nike said, nah, we'll just leave that with Tiger. I I would have responded, ha good one. Good one. Uh, That bold choice, Cotton. Wow. Right, no doubt. And it was a good week for the area college basketball teams. Well, not for Mizzou because they weren't able to play Texas A&M with COVID-19 issues. But... Your fifth-ranked Illini knocked off Wisconsin on Saturday, 74-69. Good win for the Illini, especially without Io DeSumo. Big, Huge. big win for them. No doubt. And the Billikens knocked off Richmond Friday night over at Chaffetz Arena, 72-67. French with 15-9, and nine. Perkins 15-7. And, and by the way, Javante Perkins coming back again next year. All players in college basketball have that ability to come back. And so Perkins has decided he's going to. Jordan Goodwin also had 13-6. and six. Slew in UMass tonight at 5. 
live over at Chaffetz Arena, and it's senior night. So I'm guessing that French and Goodwin will be honored. I, I wonder if they honor a guy who's a senior, but he's coming back next year. You probably wait until his last game next year, right? I would think so. If I was him, I would want to wait. Yeah, I, I would think so. And by the way, great careers for yeah. Jordan Goodwin and Hassan French. And hopefully that loss to VCU. I think, I think personally, Michelle, that that was devastating to the at-large hopes for the Billikens. But get a victory tonight and then do what you can during the, uh, during the A-10 tournament. And maybe even just win the A-10 tournament to leave all the guessing out of it. That's right. You win the A-10 tournament, you're going to force their hand. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, we're going to hear about Saturday night's Blues game, and it was wild. Every part of it was wild, and the Blues actually didn't play the wild. They knocked off the Sharks. That's next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> we're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Saturday night, we all sit down, and we're just hoping for a Blues victory. We don't care how the Blues come away with a victory. By hook or crook, as the old saying goes, just come away with a win. And then 17 seconds into the game, Michelle, Timo Meyer scores for the Sharks, and you're thinking, "Uh uh-oh, here we go again. Oh, yeah, we all are. We're thinking, and we're going to stay up late for this. Yeah. This is going to be brutal. But the Blues' body language, their shoulders didn't droop, and they bounced back. Marco Scandella tying it at the 608 mark. The game is tied 1-1. Evander Kane scores for San Jose, 2-1 Sharks after a period. Early in the second, Sammy Blay for the Blues. It's 2-2. Meyer again for the Sharks. 3-2. Shen for the Blues. 3-3. <laughs> Evander Kane for the Sharks. 4-3. And Jordan Biddington gets pulled. Two goals for Timo Meyer. Two goals for Evander Kane. And it looks like the Blues may make a goalie change after the body language from Jordan Biddington. And, and then oh, Biddington's going to go over and put the body and the glove into San Jose Shimmick. Well, now, I love his fire. Look at this. Here we go. And then he's going to go after Devin Dubnik. <laughs> Dubnik will chirp at Jordan Bennington, and they'll put Bennington <laughs> the down the runway. Wow. Fires team up a little bit. Trying to fire his team up. Takes an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty in the process. But, Michelle, it, it did fire. I was... I was pissed at him when he did that, when he took the penalty. The Blues are so bad on the PK. I was thinking, okay, well, you're down 4-3, and you just turned this into a 5-3 game. Initially, I was confused. I'm like, what does he do? What? Am I seeing this correctly? (laughs) That Jordan Biddington is going after not one, not two, but three guys, including the (laughs) opposing goalie? Is this what's really happening? Um, And initially, I I thought the same thing. But then I saw how the team reacted. Mm -hmm. I saw how the other guys wearing that sweater responded to back up Jordan Biddington. And I thought to myself, he might have known what he was doing, that Jordan Biddington. Yeah, he, he he may have, or he may have just completely lost it. But but either way, yeah. Randy, we talked about this. If if you are mad at someone, I'm mad at someone. We are a team. If you go off on someone, mm-hmm. even if you're wrong, I'm defending you because we are a team. And in that instance, if my goalie is dealing with people chirping at him and it's to the point where he feels like he needs to react, especially the goalie, I am certainly going to back him up. See, that's the thing. I want a player with blackout rage on my team. The fact that it's a goalie is different. <laughs> 
<laughs> Normally, it's just that big, tough defenseman, or or maybe you have a guy on the fourth line that, okay, something bad happens, and he just gets some blackout rage, and he runs three people. You don't expect it to be your goaltender. You don't. You don't. But we've, we've made these parallels before. Jordan Bennington's got a, a lot of Yadier Molina in him. Yeah, he does. He's, yeah. he's all about business. He's all about winning. Do not press the wrong button. <laughs> uh, now, in a, in a fight scenario, Yadier is certainly a little bit yeah. more intimidating than Jordan Bennington. But I don't know, because once you hit that rage blackout point, all bets are off. You suggesting that Bennington needs some neck tats? Perhaps. That would certainly help his case, don't you think? <laughs> yeah. So the Blues killed off the penalty. Zach Sanford scoring late in the period. So it's 4-4 after two. Third period. Mackenzie McKeckern, 5-4 Blues. Kevin LeBanc back for the Sharks. It's 5-5. 3-20 mark of the third. Ryan O'Reilly scores. 6-5 Blues. But three minutes after that, the Sharks tied it again. Uh. From Ferraro to Burns, wrist shot, they shoot, they've scored! That one deflected up onto Huso, and the Sharks have tied the game at 6. 13-29 to go. It's bubble hockey at the SAP <laughs> Center in San Jose. Ah, uh, but don't fret. That goal came at the 631 mark at 714, less than 45 seconds later. The Blues finally took the lead for good. Sharks have had four different one-goal leads. The Blues have had two different one-goal leads. Dubnik's been the goaltender the whole time for San Jose. Blue center, they score! It's 7-6. to six. Scandella tucks it in. And the St. Louis Blues are back on top. 12.46 to go in the third. The Blues with seven. The Sharks with six. It's a shootout out in the West tonight. Wow. And almost unbelievably, Michelle, in the last 12.46, there were no more goals scored, although... Ville Husso had to make a spectacular glove save with two seconds left. He did. He did. Those last two minutes, I thought for sure we were going to have another goal scored and that we were going to overtime. My dad and I were texting watching the game, and we both were like, it's going to be at least eight to win this. Yeah. Somebody's definitely going to have to score eight to win this. And then we both said, when's the last time you said that in a hockey game? Right. You know, it's incredible. But that game, Randy felt like be I tweeted this it felt like being on a tilt a whirl where <laughs> it's fun and you're overstimulated but it's also kind of not as mm-hmm. the goals kept coming, it was very exciting. But also you had this little bit of an uneasy feeling. And I kept thinking to myself, we are all so invested in this one. The Blues yep. cannot lose this game. No, that would have been horrible to lose. Well, especially f- for them from a, me- a mental standpoint. You come out there, your goalie is getting bounced. He's thro- swinging at guys. You're trying to defend him. You're fighting back. This is saying a lot about who you are as a team, that you're not out of a fight. You cannot lose that game. And after the game, uh, Craig Bruby got together with the media he's he's a worn out and talked about uh, the first question was about jordan biddington well he's a fiery guy um you know and he's that's kind of the way he is he's you know we've seen that in the past from him so um i didn't think a penalty was warranted on it but you know he he's trying to rally the team that's what he's trying to do yeah i, I think because he made contact with two of their players, and especially Dubnik, who did kind of come out of his crease. He should have taken a penalty, too. But that was not very sportsmanlike of Bennington. It was fun. We like it on our side. But I can see how the officials gave him an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Oh, I could see why he got the penalty, too. Absolutely. Now, I certainly loved it. I love that attitude out of anybody on my team. Um, And I loved the comments afterwards coming from some of the Sharks players about Bennington chirping and Kane saying, you know, too bad I wasn't there. Okay, all right. Um, but I also think that this is good for hockey and good for the yeah. Blues. It's something that you're not going to forget. 
next time you see that team. No, this could be a game changer for the Blues because I'm sure they learned a lot about themselves because a lot of teams would crumble, and this team does still have some character, and that's one of the things that everybody talked about the other night. And the emotion from Bennington is what pretty much rode the day. Marco Scandella, his first two-goal game in the NHL, and he said Bennington's actions were a difference. Uh, I love it, honestly. Emotions, uh, something that not everybody has. I feel like we have a lot in our on our team and our group, uh, and especially in a game like tonight. Uh, I love it personally. Uh, that fire is uh, what's going to drive us and make our team better and get us to the next level. And how about Marco Scandella? Some nights, Randy, you get a puck to the face. Other <laughs> nights, you get two goals, including the game winner in a 13-goal game. That's life, right? But it is guys like Marco Scandella who you don't expect to step up and be that difference maker. And that's what this Blues team needs moving forward. With so many guys out, they need guys that you don't expect to step up and to be the difference in a game like that. And I am a huge, huge, huge believer in momentum, especially with this Blues hockey team. And this could be a turning point from a mental standpoint, from an, from an emotional standpoint. We, I would not be surprised if we saw them go on a, a bit of a run here. And how about the fact that it's against the Sharks, Randy? Mm-hmm. Over the past couple years, we have seen the mental toughness of the Blues many times versus the Sharks, most notably, obviously, the hand pass game. But there's something about playing that team where the Blues feel like they're maybe in a corner or something doesn't go their way. And as Joy Vitale put it on our show, which was so great. This Blues team is never out of a fight. No, and you mentioned the people who did score because O'Reilly got one, but nothing from David Perron, nothing from Jordan Cairo. Obviously, you're missing a lot of your offense, and you're getting goals, too, from Scandella, Sammy Blay, his second of the year. You don't really expect him to score. Zach Sanford, or as they list him on the official score sheet, Zach Michael Sanford, uh, <laughs> Mackenzie McEachern scoring. Uh, a lot of unexpected offense for the Blues, and until they get their guys back, that's what it's going to require. They're going mm-hmm. to have to get goals from unexpected sources. And fieriness from their goalie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And from the whole team. I think from that's probably team, yeah. as big an issue as anything is that because you don't have that skill, you're going to have to play with great effort all the time. And that's a hallmark of Blues hockey, the guys that aren't there. I think what happens a lot of times, and we, we've seen it with the Cardinals, with some guys that come in, we saw it definitely with the Rams. I think when you're really good, a lot of times young players show up and say, oh, I'm on a great team. All I have to do is come along for the ride. And they don't understand how hard it is and how much effort you have to give to win games. And I would hope that a game like the other night shows those players, those young players that have just shown up, how hard it is to win a game in the NHL. Absolutely. And, oh, man, I I just think about the times that this Blues team has lost and what is always the thing that Craig Berube is saying, effort, intensity, consistency, things of that nature. And this Blues team has shown us that they possess those things. They have them. It's just about harnessing it and having it play out consistently. So hopefully we see that out of them moving forward. And moving forward includes tonight against the Ducks, the pregame at 8 here on 101 ESPN, your home of the Blues. And then Wednesday, the Blues play the Ducks again. And these are games. Anaheim has some players, and their goalie, John Gibson, is really good. But that's a team that even though the Blues are diminished, they should not have much trouble with. And by the way, there's a chance tonight or Wednesday night that Vladimir Tarasenko could be in the Blues lineup. I know. How about that? Yeah. So that would that it adds a little scoring touch, you would think. You would think. I'm very anxious to see what he looks like in his return. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, the Cardinals open up spring training with a tie. There are no ties. 
Yeah, there was. Uh, <laughs> down in Florida, and we'll bring you up to date on that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Is your Cardinal breakout player for 2021? Is there somebody that you can see that you don't expect to be great that is going to be great? 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line with Michelle and Randy here on 101 ESPN. And Michelle, yesterday for the opener, we saw what ostensibly is the Cardinals opening day lineup. They won't have a DH, so Matt Carpenter hit second and was the designated hitter. It was Edmund Carpenter Goldie, Arenado DeYoung Molina. Carlson, Tyler O'Neill uh, down at the bottom of the lineup, and then Harrison Bader hitting ninth. And I think both of us probably, as we looked at that lineup, had our breakout player for 2021 in there. That's right. Um, and do you want me to go first here, yes, Randy? Yes, I would. Okay, I'd like great. Because to... I would love to take the reins. Because mine is an unexpected, or a very expected answer. So, some people might have an unexpected breakout player for 2021. For me, it's pretty obvious. And Carlson hits it a ton out to deep right. It is gone! Three-run homer, Dylan Carlson. Three-run homer, Dylan Carlson. We hope to hear that a lot coming out of Danny Mac this season. When you have a number one prospect, you expect them to break out. And I think especially once we saw what Dylan Carlson did in his return to the majors last year, his numbers improved from an offensive standpoint across the board. And he looked like he was more confident in himself. He had settled in. And Dylan Carlson is somebody that is a really, really well-rounded player. We know he has the speed. We know he has the defense. What we saw, like I mentioned, when he came back up from an offensive standpoint is certainly a positive starting point, I think, for Cardinal fans. But this is somebody that the Cardinals could have moved many times and gotten a big haul from. He's their number one prospect from the Cardinal system. But John Mosellak said, you will not get him unless you pry him from my cold, dead hands, <laughs> which tells you the potential in this player. And I think when you give him a permanent spot in the outfield, he's going to have time to get those reps and start to blossom as a player. And I would not be surprised if we see Dylan Carlson not only break out this season, Randy, but break out fairly early. Fairly early as in making it to the All-Star game? Yeah, maybe. I like that. I like that. Rookie of the year? Nothing wrong with that either. Okay, good. I'm going to go with a guy who actually has had a level of success, but I think he's going to break out for good this year. There's Tommy Edmond, and Edmond hits it out to right center. It's at the wall! Gone! Tommy Edmond! Grand Slamma! Tommy Edmond had some sneaky power in his rookie year, 11 homers, 36 RBIs. But the key for me, Michelle, is that the switch hitter had a 350 on base. He had an OPS of 850. He slugged 500, hit 304 that year. And I would expect that that will be more in line with what Edmond is going to be as a regular hit leadoff hitter in a normal season. Last year was a mess, and especially for a young player who goes through spring training and then has the layoff and then starts again, then has another layoff, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it was really difficult for him to get in any sort of regular rhythm. So my expectation of Edmund is that he's going to be closer to the rookie Edmund with that 350 on base, hitting at the top of the lineup, uh, again, a switch hitter, and I would be really surprised if once we get to 
June, July, August, if he's not getting on base and scoring a bunch of runs in front of Carlson, Goldschmidt, Arenado. Think about what this Cardinal team will look like if both of our candidates take a step up or have a breakout season. You win by setting the table for your table setters. Now that the Cardinals have multiple table setters, if indeed it is three, four, five, Goldschmidt, Arenado, DeYoung, and those guys are hitting up to their capability, Cardinals should score a ton of runs at the top, top of the lineup. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to be like the Dodgers because they just don't have the length of the lineup because of the question marks that are Yachty, Bader, O'Neill. Mm-hmm. But your top five or six have a chance to be really impressive. They do. I, I keep coming back to the stagnation we've seen out of the Cardinal offense of the past few seasons. And I I wonder if it, we're going to really find out, I guess, if this is the chicken or the egg, if it's the approach or if it was mm-hmm. the, the talent level. And I really do hope that the way that the Arenado acquisition changes the dynamic of the lineup. You see different players being activated because they're going to be utilized in different ways and get different looks. But it's, it's going to be interesting to see what the reaction is if early on the Cardinals offense doesn't perform your tech six, five, seven, eight, Oh, who is your breakout player? Here's a great one from the three, one, four Alex Reyes is my breakout player. I think we'll finally see a full season from him. And after watching him throw this spring, it's absolutely jumping out of his hand. He'll learn a spot in the rotation. And I will not be surprised if he finishes in the top three in the NL Cy Young. Ooh, top three Cy Young. That's impressive. Um, yes, he looks electric. He looks, he looks great. I would love to see Alex Reyes not only get into the rotation, rotation but be a breakout player and he has all the capabilities to do so if he can have the command that he needs and if he can stay healthy that one would not surprise me in the least bit from the 314 carlson will be great but like i've said many times before flaherty will not go cards make reyes a starter Hmm. so carlson breakout thinks flaherty might take a step back yeah or or not be good what he was last year right so Hmm. I, i hope he's good Emily is here. I was I was just going to ask if you guys saw the clip. I think the Cardinals had posted it where Reyes was pitching uh, a couple days ago, and the ball was literally hissing as he was. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. He was practicing. So, and I would love to see him in the rotation too. They're going to treat him with kid gloves. Like I said, he's going to turn twenty-seven this year. At what point is he not? kid glove worthy anymore if not now when yeah right not now when get him going and by the way i another guy that i would throw out there on a national level that has a chance to break out we know him here is kk Mm -hmm. because once kk pitches for six months and he's thrown a ton of innings in korean ball he's a guy that i would anticipate will probably be able to have a great season i'm not going to go so far as to say dominate which was the word that came to mind for me Mm -hmm. but if he doesn't throw a bunch of innings, 180 innings, and win 14 or 15 games, I'll be really surprised. We are getting so many great texts, Randy, 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line. How about this one from the 636? Paulie D as the breakout player for the Cardinals in 2021. Again, a guy that we know here but really hasn't had a, a complete breakout season where you say, okay, from April 1st until September 30th, he's been really good and consistent for us. So 
if he can do that, that will be a breakout. And we know he has the ability right. because at different times he's hit 285, he's hit 30 home runs. The ability is there. It's just a matter of executing. Yeah, fatigue is a factor. Will that happen to him again? But there's a lot of people that are going to be, be beneficiaries of the Arenado acquisition from an offensive standpoint. Of course, Paul Goldschmidt. But Dylan Carlson and Paul DeYoung, it's going to be interesting to see what type of looks they're going to get and how adding Arenado to the lineup might have a ripple effect as far as they're concerned. And it's interesting because uh, I was having the conversation, I was kind of trying to press Paul Goldschmidt last week on getting better pitches to hit in the lineup. And he said, no, it doesn't make any difference. And then I was thinking about it. I said, well, the reason that it doesn't make any difference is because he's the guy they're all pitching around. He's the best hitter. Right. And that's why he doesn't see different pitches. Everybody else does because of who he is. But there's a reason that pitchers don't pitch him any differently. It's all the same because he's the best hitter. And he's probably dealt with that forever. (laughs) Forever, yeah. But... Just go back, and I know things have changed and pitchers pitch differently than they did even a decade ago, but go back to how Chris Duncan talked about how different the pitches that he saw were when he was hitting second in front of Albert Pujols rather than sixth. Absolutely, and that's why I would love to see Dylan Carlson get that opportunity. Fastball, fastball, fastball. Mm -hmm. We know that Carlson, and that might not be a bad spot for Bader either, by the way. We know those guys can hit fastballs, and that's what needs to happen is you need to you need to have a guy that you don't want to put in base in front of Goldschmidt and Arenado so rather than walking him you're going to say okay well I'm going to hope like hell that I get him out with my fastball <laughs> and if he hits the ball fine but then if those guys can hit then you've really got something absolutely I'm going to be collecting these because we're getting so many send them in we'll be, we're going to talk about this throughout the show 65780 but Randy how about this one from the 314 Harrison Bader is my breakout player for 2021 I liked what I saw yesterday I did too and I would not be at all surprised especially when you get the uh, the character and Smallman factor going it is not surprising to me that we're seeing him look great. He came on our show. We saw the same thing with David Perron. He comes on the show weekly. Not only is he playing great, overtime winner. It's just a good luck chuck. We are reverse good luck chuck. Yes. You know, good luck chuck. You had to date him to find the one, and he was the bad luck charm. We're the opposite. Bing, bang, boom. Hey, we have a returning fighter. Jake lost on Friday, but he's back <laughs> this week, so you don't need to text in or this day. Justice for Jake. Justice for Jake, yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous. Randy's still upset about this. So Jake will be back with us at 8.30. But tomorrow, you will have the opportunity to text in. I guarantee. How about that? Go and Joe Namath. You'll have the opportunity to text in. And Ooh. yeah. We're Babe Ruth in it. We're calling our shots that today. That just Monday. happened. Jake, if you're listening, which I know you are, good luck. Because <laughs> Randy's on one this morning. So tomorrow, uh, we'll have a fight. And you can text in 65780 with your name and the word fight anytime between 7 and 8 o'clock. And we'll perhaps pick you as our fighter. Next up, though, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Take it or leave it is coming your way with Michelle and Randy on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN, and we welcome your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780 for a little game of take it or leave it. And Michelle, you were aware yesterday, I became aware of it this morning, that Jennifer Lopez and Alex Rodriguez taking a little vacation, a little holiday, yes. as it were, in yes. the Dominican Republic. Morning golf, both dressed in their uh, their Sunday whites okay. to honor the, the Dominican um, 
revolution and their the freedom, the Independence Day in the Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. And then J-Lo, at the age of 51, goes in, takes a couple of pictures of herself and uh, dubs it self-import, or, uh, Self-Important Sunday. Uh, self-Care Sunday. Hashtag Self-Care Sunday. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, and there's pictures important. of... Uh, J-Lo and A-Rod kissing on the golf course and mm-hmm. playing golf. Take it or leave it, Alex Rodriguez can get away with anything. Oh, I want to take it. I want to take it. I want to take it. But I'm going to leave it because I think if A-Rod were to do something, let's say, negative to J-Lo, the people would revolt. Part of A-Rod's current likability, actually a lot of A-Rod's current likability, is tied to pictures like that, and it's tied to J-Lo. And I think the J-Lo fans, I don't know what they're called. You know, for Beyonce, they have the Bayhive. Yeah, they're bad. The, you don't want to mess with Beyonce. No. The internet will come for you, Randy. Yeah. They will come for you. Most Lady Gaga has the, mon- the little yeah. monsters. I don't know what J-Lo's fans are called, but they will come for you. They will yeah. come for A-Rod. So I want to take it because it seems like he can pretty much walk away unscathed. He, he most- already had his little text affair with that gal, right? Allegedly, Randy. Allegedly. He is denying it. Uh, but I wonder if receipts were to be revealed Mm -hmm. hardcore evidence if he would be able to walk away and by the way people say that j-lo is amazing for 51 just leave the for 51 off of it period period she's amazing amazing period (laughs) yeah she puts 20 year olds to shame she does from from a physical standpoint from an endurance standpoint from a talent standpoint she gets She's incredible. Abs- but that's what I'm saying. People love A-Rod because of J-Lo. It's not a bad thing. No, Listen, but he might want to appreciate so, that. Yeah, you, you should. Think about it. You're engaged to J-Lo, and that's why people like you. There's nothing wrong with that. No, there's nothing wrong with that. But then also do not squander Don't mess it up, your right. one thread of likability. <laughs> you got one job. You got one job, A-Rod, and that's to not do anything bad to J-Lo. <laughs> Can you do it? Yeah, so everybody, hashtag uh, next Sunday. Hashtag self-care Sunday. You don't participate in self-care Sunday, Randy? This is a huge thing. Is it? No, you, I don't. You weren't aware? Oh, yeah, self-care Sunday is to do whatever you need to do to charge up for the week, whether that's a face mask, drink a bottle of wine, eat some nachos, maybe binge Bridgerton on Netflix. Whatever you it is you want to do, you can hashtag at self-care Sunday. I, I will do this. For you, Randy, in your quest to get more Instagram followers, follow Randy on Instagram, RJ Carriker. Yep. You need to participate in these things. I will. All Next. you have to do is hashtag Self-Care Sunday, and then you're on the thread. Next Sunday, I'm going to do it. Let's go. What are you going to do on Self-Care Sunday? What would it recharge it's you? It's supposed to be nice next Sunday, right? Yeah. Maybe, uh, a little golf? You, maybe you'll have some uh, photos of Randy on the golf course next Sunday. A little on the grill action, trigger grill There's action. There's no question about that. <laughs> yeah. Good call. All right. Well, Randy, we know that Tommy Pham is lucky to be alive after he was stabbed outside of a San Diego strip club. That's dead, Back in the fall. I think one of my favorite tweets of all time was when the news broke that Tommy Pham was stabbed again. (laughs) Somebody quote tweeted it and said, stop stabbing Tommy Pham. (laughs) Stop stabbing Tommy Pham. (laughs) Because we know uh, here in St. Louis, he revealed he had been stabbed prior to that incident. But anyway, as I mentioned, Tommy Pham finally opened up about this. He's been talking about that situation because it really was scary. If you saw the photos in the aftermath of this, there was a lot of blood there. It was a serious, serious situation. So Tommy Pham during spring training was talking about this, and he said he's lucky to be alive after being stabbed outside of that strip club in October. Here's the quote, Randy. The doctors told me if I wasn't so muscular, I might be dead or paralyzed. Take it or leave it. That's the most accurate and best humble brag you've ever heard in your entire I'm, life. i got to take that 100%. Yeah. Like weird flex, yeah. but okay. I'm into yeah. it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. If the doctors are telling you that, that you're in such great shape, yeah. If I wasn't so muscular, also, dead or paralyzed. Take it or leave it. If you're a San Diego gym, you're going to ride this for all it's worth. Oh, yeah. I'll take <laughs> it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Come. Yeah, come to our gym, and then you can go to the most dangerous strip club in town that night. There you go. Reason number 157 to get in the gym. Get so muscular that you can survive a stabbing. Exactly. Emily is with us with your Tech 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line. Emily, what do you got? All right, from the 636, and I promise this one has a sports ending. Oh, good. Happy birthday, Justin Bieber. Take it or leave it. We still need to see that shootout against Bennington. Yeah, I'll oh, take, take that. it, definitely. Yeah. We need that. Especially now. I hope that uh, Bieber finds a way to tick him off. I don't think that Bieber needs to tick him off. I, I think. Don't you want to see Bennington run him, though? I do, but I think 50 will be motivated enough yeah. going against <laughs> a Canadian pop star who might have chirped a little yeah. in the past. Also, we don't need a sports lane to that. Happy birthday, Justin Bieber. Yeah. How old is he now? Let's um, guess. Let's the, guess. Uh, I'm going to say that he is 29, and you'd feel like he's like 17. Okay. I'm going to say he's sneaky younger, even though he is a bit weathered because he has been in our um, in our point of view for a long mm-hmm. time. I'm going to say he's 26. Do you want to know? Because yes. I already know. Yes. We will. 27. Oh. oh, you win closest to the pit. All right. 27. About that. He's, He's been, been around famous forever. for so long. He's only 27. That's because he got famous when he was like five years old. Yeah. It's crazy. Okay, from the 314, take it or leave it. Once he returns, Tarasenko will play the remainder of the games this year. I'll take it. He's been out long enough. I, I'm going to take it because it's we're positive here on this show. Yeah. Sunshine and lollipops. But I... I Remember the bubble. Yeah. That's all I'm yeah. saying. Also, if you haven't read Jeremy Rutherford's piece from Friday, the Blues will be able to apparently fit him in under their salary cap. And it's a confusing NHL salary cap, but the Blues will be able to fit him in without removing anybody from the roster because of their other injuries at the moment. So read Jerry, Jeremy's piece at The Athletic about it. It'll It'll make your brain hurt, but you'll figure it out eventually. Read every piece of Jeremy's yeah, at The Athletic right. if you're a yeah. Blues fan. He's got all the info you need. From the 636, take it or leave it, David Perron should have an A on his jersey. Yeah, I'll take that. He's definitely a leader on this team. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Uh, yeah, right now when everybody's healthy, it's O'Reilly, Shen, Tarasenko. Uh, so I don't know who you take it away from so that he could have it. But there's no doubt that you could even set it up so that you have two two A's at home and two on the road mm-hmm. and make sure that he has one. I'll just, I don't want to take it away from anyone else. I'll just say he's deserving of yeah. one. From the 217, take it or leave it. Batters look better without batting gloves. I'm going to leave that. They look tougher, don't you think? Gives them a little something. Yeah, but then I look at the way that our batting guy without batting gloves hits. But he said he's thinking about it. You should have thought about it a long time ago. He was experimenting. Hope it, hope it works. Letting that one marble around in his head. Yeah. yeah I hope it works, too. Yeah. Actually, they gloves now, you've got so many gloves that match or they're a nice accessory. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. I'm fine with you know, when the Cardinals are wearing their baby blues, have a guy with baby blue gloves. Oh, yeah. I don't mind that at all. Style point. Yep. Style's huge. All right. This one's a little wild. Okay. From the 573, take it or leave it. Bennington, 6'1", 174 pounds versus Molina. 5'11", 215 pounds, 10 rounds. 
Molina would outlast Bennington. Take it. Oh, definitely, I'll take it. And that's yeah. no disrespect to Benner, but I'm, I don't care what the circumstances are in that scenario. I'm taking Yadier Molina yeah. all day. And actually for a bigger guy, it's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Yadi's that dog with, with a lot of fight in him. Jordan Bennington has that. He does. He has yeah. that fire, too. Yeah, it's going 10. There's no doubt. Is there anyone, though, in, that you could think of in recent St. Louis sports history, if we're doing this, if we're going to pit one against the other, that you would take over Yadier Molina? The only person I could think of is Chris Carpenter. Oh, in a fight? Yeah. Well, Twister. That's, Yeah. But, but I'm thinking of someone that's not a traditional fighter. Okay. You know what I mean? Because that is a little unfair. Yeah. Somebody who's just... Just yeah, a tough that person. competitive. Because, yeah, a, you don't ho- want to a fight. hockey fighter, you're definitely going to want to take yeah. them. Revo. No, but he's a but fighter. He, yeah, yeah, so we're, we're yeah. leaving no hockey fighters, fighters yeah, we're leaving hockey this. fighters um, out of this. Because, obviously, Jordan Bennington, part of this conversation is we're surprised to see a, go- a goalie act this way. That's a good question. There, there are... It's a, it's a short list, if there are any, that you put... When you put baseball front. Jesus in that mix? Oh, absolutely. He's ferocious. Yeah. Yachty. <sighs> There's... Not many. You know, I wouldn't want to mess with Albert. Back in the day? Yeah. No, but still, you'd take Yachty. I would definitely still take Yachty, but Yachty. I'm just throwing names yeah. in the list. Um... If you have any suggestions, anyone that you think you would even put in the same conversation of toughness as Yadier Molina, 65780. Chris Long? Chris Long is tough, but, you know, and you have to have a certain set of DNA to play that position. To Football guys are, are have the gladiator mentality yeah. anyway. Um, and again, do we even consider that? equal because he's running at people and That's pushing them and getting yeah. a, fi- a physical altercation with people for a living. But again, I go back to the size of the, the fight in the dog. I would take... Oh, I got one. Okay. I, I would take Yachty over Richie Incognito, who weighs 300 pounds. Oh, yeah, definitely. I would definitely take yeah. Yachty over. Well, I don't know. Richie's a little... He's wacko. He's nuts. Yeah, yeah. And big and strong, but I'd take Yachty. All right. How about Matt Holiday? Again, he's a he's a great guy, but I think he's got it deep down. I wouldn't mess with him. I would not poke that bear. Is what I'm getting at. Yachty is just so ferocious. That's the thing. Who who's got the greater level of blackout rage in that fight? Oh, definitely Yachty. No doubt. No doubt. So that's what you're looking at. There's Mm. not many. I think I'd always take Yachty. What about Mark McGuire, Randy? Some people texting in Big Mac. It depends on uh, Big Mac with the uh, performance enhancers, yes. <laughs> Big Mac without him, nice, just gentle giant. Yeah, he's... Roid Rage is a big... Th- it's real. Yeah, it is real. You're right. Okay, that's a good call. Scott Rowland? Again, I just don't see the anger there. I, I don't think that he'll... He, can his... What it comes down to, can his anger or whoever we're pitting against Yadi Molina, can their anger in the fight against Brandon Phillips and the Reds? Yes. All right. Can anybody match that level of black outrage? That's what we're looking for. And you have to be strong, bigger and stronger. Yeah, there's no quit in Yachty or Molina. You know what I think of? When I'm thinking of all the different factors to why I'm picking Yachty, I'm thinking of when he got hit in an area that men do not want to be hit in. And he had to go to the hospital and have surgery, and he's walking out of the hospital, right? There's no no injury that you're going to inflict on Yachty that is going to stop him from continuously coming at you in the fight. Michelle, that was nuts. (laughs) Randy, I should have known that was coming. 
I should have known that was gone. <laughs> Thanks, <It> Emily. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, one more. BT, blackout rage. He kicks puppies. Right. But I think even BT doesn't want any. Yachty's no puppy. <laughs> no, he is not. <laughs> He's a bulldog. Thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Uh, dramatic tie for the Cardinals yesterday down in Florida, but they got things going. We'll bring you up to date on everything that came out of that game on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It is 8.05 in St. Louis. Your team time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Carriker and Smallman with you. Cards and Nationals played yesterday. The uh, spring training opener, the old Grapefruit League, is underway. And Dan McLaughlin, Jim Edmonds had the call on FS Midwest. And in the very first inning, Angel Hernandez is behind home plate. Especially on a team like this. And the 1-1. Hey. Oh, oh. Angel Hernandez is in midseason form. Yeah. Let's not make this game too fast, Angel. <laughs> Invent himself and <laughs> clearly a strike. And Angel calls a ball. And that's something that early on, and I'm glad it was just the first spring training game, but it affected Jack Flaherty. I was pissed because I thought it was strike three. We were striking on throwing out, but you know, it's it, it, it is what it is. Everybody's human. You know, I had a I had a horrible day. Um, sometimes you're gonna get calls that don't go your way. You know, I don't. It's you know, people want to cut, go at the umpires and whatnot, and sometimes you miss calls. Calls are gonna get missed. You got to be able to bounce back from them. So that was a situation there where we had a couple calls not really go our, go our way, and you know, try to you know bounce back from there. But you know, they went with the rollover. So I don't know. You just move on to the next inning and try to take what you can from it. Makes you throw a lot more pitches when Angel Hernandez is behind the plate. It certainly does. But and shout out to Danny Mack for the for the great line. Um, that's one of the things you got to love about having Cardinal baseball back is right. being able to listen to Danny Mack, um, which certainly gave us all a laugh. But Jack Flaherty is right because what if this was a regular season game and what if it was a game that had some importance to it? While yesterday certainly was not the performance that he wanted out of himself, there is a lesson that comes out of that because you are not going to get every call that you want and you can't let it affect you from a mental standpoint. You just have to dig in and, you know, maybe use that anger towards what you're doing, the task at hand. But that's definitely going to happen at some point in the regular season. And thankfully, it was the first inning of a spring training game, so you can move past it a little bit more quickly. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Randy, at the end of the day, even if Angel Hernandez is the reason for a bad call, it's still going to show up on Jack Flaherty's stat line. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I'm glad that they're getting it out of the way now. Meanwhile, Michelle and I have both given our breakout Cardinals for 2021. Tommy Edmond for Randy, Dylan Carlson for Michelle. We want to hear from you. You can use the Mic Drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. The Mic Drop brought to you by Rhino Shield. And if you want to use your voice for 30 seconds to tell us who your breakout player is and why, feel free to do so with the Mic Drop. Or you can just send us a text. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. We have some text rolling in, Randy. This one from the 309. Tommy Edmond is going to be the breakout player in lockstep with you, Randy. He's going to lead the National League in doubles and all of baseball in triples. Wow. I like that stat, and I would not be surprised by either. He did slug 500 a couple of years ago, 
So with the de-juiced ball, probably not going to hit as many home runs, but can hit a bunch of doubles. That'd be great. That would be great. This one from the 314. I think with Arenado on the team now, Harrison Bader might have some relieved pressure and may break out. Again, if he sees fastballs, that could happen. And I don't know if the Cardinals want to move him up to the number two hole. I think Dylan Carlson best profiles as a number two hitter. Mm-hmm. But I do believe, I don't, I don't think there's any question that if Bader were put in a position where he saw more fastballs, he would be a breakout type player. He absolutely has the potential to break out this season. I think when I think about Arenado coming to the team and the attention that's going to be siphoned his way, while Harrison Bader is a benefactor there, I think the biggest one is Dylan Carlson, mm-hmm. which is part of the reason why I have him as a breakout player. When when you're the number one prospect, when you're the reason that prior to Arenado showing up and wearing this uniform, the reason a lot of people were going to buy a ticket, you're the phenom, you're the one that they expect to do something great, especially after what they saw of you when you returned down the stretch for the Cardinals. That's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure, especially, too, we think about Randy Rosarena, and what he did in the postseason and how that might have an effect on Matthew Libertor. But then we look at somebody like Dylan Carlson, who John Mozeliak said, you're never going to get him away. He's the guy yeah. that we're planting the flag on. That's a talking point, too, if he doesn't perform. Why did John Mozeliak pick him over some over someone else or the Cardinals front office as a whole? So I think that from a pressure standpoint, that Dylan Carlson is certainly going to benefit from having Nolan Arenado here. And it's interesting and it's kind of unfair But the guy who is perceived to have the most upside is going to be given the most opportunity and the best opportunities. Dylan Carlson is perceived to be a guy with greater upside than Harrison Bader. So the Cardinals are going to put him in that spot where Mm -hmm. he's going to see the fastballs rather than Bader. Michelle, I I remember going back and talking to Ozzy back in the day or Colton Wong and pretty much everybody who hits eighth in the National League ahead ahead of a pitcher says it's the hardest place to hit because you never get pitched to because if you're on base they don't mind pitching to the pitcher behind you so you rarely see good pitches to hit when you're hitting eighth and that's what Harrison Bader would run into is all those right-handed sliders that he strikes out on he's going to see more and more of those if he's hitting in the eighth hole from the 573, Alex Reyes can't break out. If he's babied again, free Alex Reyes, release the beast. Hashtag free Alex Reyes. Now, you don't want to overburden him with too many innings, but I agree. I think, especially if the fifth starter is going to be Carlos Martinez, I think that I would much rather see Reyes get his opportunity and sure give him uh, an innings limit and then when you reach that limit then you plug in Carlos Martinez but I want to see what Alex Reyes is as a starting pitcher and map it out so that if he's only giving you five innings that's what it is or a maximum of five if he goes three so be it but let him get the idea of starting as a major league pitcher into his head and make him believe that that's what he is the, the texter said free the beast. Yeah. Even though I think you and I are both in line with that thought, I don't know if the Cardinals are. They aren't. No, they he's definitely gonna, aren't. He's going to be in the bullpen. Yeah, but I, I'm with you. I, I keep saying it. If not now, when? And I know that 
you have a healthy, a full healthy season of him, even a truncated season and another healthy off season. And he, we've seen the videos. We saw, we have seen how great he is and the potential that is there. And I understand if I'm the Cardinals, why I would view that as a precious commodity and not want to tempt fate and want to ease him in. But I wonder what's the, what's the point? What is the line of delineation where he's been healthy enough for X amount of games Mm -hmm. or you've seen this from him that lets you believe that he's ready to be a starter and to to loosen the reins a little. I I wonder what that is because I'm sure the Cardinals have some sort of statistical analysis on him that would allow them to be looking at some sort of barometer. But if you have him in the bullpen this year, are you going to be able to build him up enough from an innings standpoint so that he's fine for 2022? At what point do you unleash the beast? Because (laughs) If you have a 162-game schedule and he pitches in 50 games and gives you 60 innings, is that better than giving you 110 innings as a starter and then pitching the rest of the season out of the bullpen? I I would want to build him up if I were them because at some point you have to, again, make that decision. Trevor Rosenthal always wanted to start, but he got pigeonholed because they could never build him up as a starter. He got pigeonholed as a reliever. And it appears to me that that's what's happening with Reyes is that this guy who was supposed to be a glorious starting pitcher is going to be pigeonholed and stuck in the bullpen for his career. Speaking of that, from the 4-3-4, I fully believe Johnny G, a.k.a. John Gant, will prove why he deserves to be in the starting rotation. That changeup is nasty. He has great stuff, and he's an underrated pitcher. He's one of those guys where I'm always going through the the pitching staff, and I always kind of forget him. I always remember him as my 13th guy, yeah. and he should be better than that. Maybe it's because of the number. Maybe it's because of 53, and I'm going through all the numbers. But... He's really good, and he's underrated, and he's got great flow. He's got great hair, too. Great flow. Absolutely. Yeah. We need to talk more about yeah. that flow. Yeah. All right, let me give you one more, and please send in more. We're going to talk about this throughout the show, 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line. From the 314, Henesis Cabrera has Alex Reyes stuff. He's my breakout guy. And he's left-handed. If he can just harness that ability, he can break out and be unbelievable. He, he's he got that kind of stuff that if he can get it under control, he could be great. Took a long time for Sandy Koufax, another left-hander, to get his stuff under control. So maybe Cabrera will be the next Sandy Koufax. That worked out for Sandy. And for the Dodgers. Yes, it did. We need that. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Michelle. You got it, Randy. Coming up, Chris Kerber is going to talk about that 7-6 Blues victory and what's coming up with Anaheim next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Let's head to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line and the voice of the blues. Our buddy Chris Kerber joins us as he does every Monday on the heels of the blues. Dramatic, fun, 7-6 win over the Sharks on Saturday night. Curbs, good morning. How you doing? Randy, I'm good. Uh, listen, before we talk hockey, can I throw something baseball at you? Absolutely. So I, I, I did an event last night for the Foundation Fighting Blindness, and it was a we did a virtual sports room, which was just amazing with uh, Ozzy Smith and, and his wife Yolanda and Jackie Joyner-Kersey. So, I mean, what, a, what an absolute thrill it was, and, and those two are just so charitable with their time and energy and stuff. But in doing some research, you know, I just went back and I looked at it again, and you, know, you look at Ozzie Smith, who struck out 580-something times in over 10,700 plate appearances, right? Mm-hmm. And and Nolan Arenado has struck out more times than that already in, in his career in like 5,000 plate appearances. And 
I know the eras and everything are different, but it still has to be – you can compare eras when it comes to just a simple stat like that, can't you? And just say it still has to be that doggone impressive that in 19 seasons, Ozzie only struck out more than 37 times, three times in his career? It's amazing, and obviously there's no respect now for getting the bat on the ball, but it is – phenomenal to me that even that recently 30 years ago that you had players Tony Gwynn was another one who was a really good hitter that Amazing. never struck out yeah it's it's a completely different sport now it, it, and it's not like I, I understand how the game is different and all that but just because the game's different doesn't mean you can't compare certain statistics and be amazed you know I mean when you're talking about and we're talking about a great player in Arenado right that has had several seasons of 100 or more strikeouts you know, now look, 40 home runs and 100 RB. I get all how all that plays out. But just when it comes to putting the bat on the ball, it's an, it's an impressive stat. Yeah, and I go back to Gwynn, who struck out 434 times in 20 years. Mark Reynolds struck out more than that in two years of his career. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so see, you can compare errors somewhat. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, just, I've just had that thought on my head for 24 hours. Well, Curbs, we've been thinking about that Blues game from Saturday night for, for the past day and a half. So, you know, I tweeted this. Watching that game kind of felt like being on a tilt-a-whirl because it was so back and forth. You felt very overstimulated. It was very fun, yet also you felt kind of uneasy. What was it like calling that game? You know what? Uh, you didn't look down to your score. See, I learned this from when we had that snap few, uh, a few weeks ago, right, where I looked down to write a goal in, and we scored another one, and I thought it was the replay. <laughs> yeah, Remember right, that? Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's the old 4-H guy in me. We learned by doing. So I didn't look down at my scorebook very often. But uh, it, it's the first time since, like, 2011 I filled in every score opportunity on my scorebook. I should have probably put a picture of it out today. But, <laughs> the um, uh, you know, it was one of those things you didn't feel like you were out of it. Um it, you you had Billy Huso playing his, his his butt off when he came in in relief. What what a confidence booster that has to be for him. And and sometimes you and, and I love this part about the game. You know, while you'd like to play with a certain structure, you'd like to have certain. Sometimes you're going to have to just out punch somebody, and and that's what they did. And uh, and and so, you know, it went 12 rounds. <laughs> they ended up uh, eventually getting the decision, which is good. You know, now I don't recommend that that's the style we should play every night. But with the way our team is nicked up, man, maybe we're going to have to play in, in, in some games like that. So um, it was exciting. It was definitely fun. And uh, for those that were able to stay up late night to watch it, they were rewarded. Curbs, Michelle and I were talking about how you like to have a guy, a Steve Ott type player, somebody with sandpaper on your team. You just don't expect it to be your goalie. Yeah, you know, you don't. And it's funny. I, I mean, uh, here's. Gracie's texting me like, what's going on with him? I love it. You know, she, she's been dying to see a goalie fight live. And then, uh, uh, you know, and then other people are saying, geez, what got into him? And I'm like, nothing. He's just competitive. He's just that way. And, and, and I love it now, right, wrong, or indifferent. What anybody thinks, some think it's a sideshow, whatever. I don't, I don't care, you know? And, and, and even when you ask some questions about it, you know, you, you talk about the edge of, of Patrick Wah, of Ed Belfour, of Ron Hextall. And, you know, it's, it's it's great to have a goalie with, with an edge like that. And he was frustrated. There's some, you know, look, there were two goals that went in where I didn't like his body language afterwards, you know, and they kind of do that, kind of that, uh, you know, that they kind of grip themselves and the body jumps kind of thing. And um, it just, it didn't seem like he had it. So I, I thought it was the right move by, by Craig to pull him. Amazing that Dubnik stayed in for the entire game on yeah. the other side, 
right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you know, but uh, but it was it was the right thing to do. Now we'll see. We haven't had a chance because I, I don't even know if the rooster's crowing out there yet uh, in Anaheim. So we'll, we'll wait and find out whether or not he's going to immediately go with Huso or or what he's going to do. My guess is Craig will tell the media it's a game time decision, but we all know that that's not the case. And um, uh, and 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 we'll see. But you know, if, if against Anaheim, who is the probably the weakest team in this division, you could get Jake uh, or I'm not Jake uh, Jordan a little bit of rest here. That's probably a good thing. I think the thing that I took away from it, Curbs, other than the fact that it was amazing to see Jordan Bennington going after three different players on his way off the ice, was the way that it rubbed off on his teammates. When you hear Marco Scandello in the post game or listen to anyone talk about Jordan Bennington and the incident that we saw on Saturday night, it seems like it rubbed that intensity, that fire rubbed off on his teammates. Yeah, and and you're right. Back to Randy's point, you you need some of that. And you know, so far there hasn't been anybody that, that's really brought it. There's been a couple opportunities for Kyle Clifford, and outside of that, nobody. Well, Braden Shen, actually. Let me, let me throw him in there. You know, Braden Shen the other night was just hitting anything and everything in sight, trying to do his part. So you need some of that. You've got to play with emotion. And you know what? With no fans in the stands or limited fans in the stands, so it's not quite the same, you've got to continue to manufacture that. It's something I think the Blues have struggled with, uh, both in the bubble and this season. And, uh, you know, and, and they're going to have to keep dealing with it because it doesn't look like that's going to really change anytime soon. So, man, continued growth. And that was a huge two points because it keeps you in a playoff spot. The standings are still skewed because of all the different numbers of games played. But with the majority of the teams below you in the standings, the games played numbers are much closer than the ones just ahead of you. So that, that's a positive. Curbs, the Blues have had a great PK in the past with – different players are the struggles on the pk this year are they player related or are they scheme related do you think i don't think it's scheme related randy although i think it's a fair question to ask i i do think that it is player related um you know i, I don't you've got more inexperience out there uh, you've got to, especially on the defensive side right now and that that's a big thing i mean look you the, the only guy, penalty, you don't have Pareko, Petrangelo, or Bo Meester, and those three kill penalties. You know, and those, 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 that's a lot. That's a ton of experience. You know, you're talking over, what, almost 30 years of total experience, you know, between the three of them. So, that, so that's, that's huge. And Robert Bortuzzo is the only guy. So you've got some other guys that are in there. Now, Scandella and some others, they played the PK, you know, but it, it's just not together. And, and so, to me, the, the biggest thing, and you could look at the penalty kill, you could look at five-on-five, and you could look at the power play, and there's just an overall cohesion that is still missing from this team that they're trying to find. So I look at it more as a personnel thing, just not being there. And then, you know, frankly, some of those younger forwards, they've got to get smarter, they've got to get quicker, and they've got to work harder on it. And that's that, that's the big thing is we need those guys to advance a little bit more here to be successful. And by the way, when I watch Nico Mikola play, the only thing I don't like about him is the lack of experience. I, I think that once he gets games under his belt, he's going to be terrific. So we talked to Bill Armstrong a few years ago uh, in Dallas in a preseason game, and you know now the general manager of the Coyotes. And as, as we were talking to him, his name came up, and Bill just started grinning ear to ear. And he says, man, we love this guy. He's, he's big, he's lanky, he's willing to get into the fight. You know, and he's, I'm telling you, he, he just carries on the torch of what you see from a lot of Finnish hockey players and Swedish ones for that matter. Just, they know how to play the game. They just got to get in there. And on the, as a defenseman, you, you're right. You've just got to get your experience. But he's not afraid to kind of stick his nose in to, to rub somebody the wrong way, to throw a hit. And, uh, and he'll continue to learn. And, 
I'll tell you what, when we can get back to the point of uh, having more guys around the team and stuff like that, could you imagine how that big guy could benefit when Larry Robinson starts talking to him? Again? Oh, yeah. Good point. Curbs, uh, I did the math here. So it's actually amazingly equal. Uh, Tony Gwynn, 20 years, 434 strikeouts. Mark Reynolds, 09, 2010, 434 strikeouts. Yeah, but remember, remember, we're told we're not allowed to compare errors. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, like, I'm just, like, at some point in time, at some point in time, uh, you, you still have to recognize the fact that, yes, I know launch angle is in there, and, and you know, this is the, 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 uh, the error is quite a long error of now the long ball when three, you think of it. But Three true outcomes, homer, strikeout, or walk. And, well, you've got to think that there's still value to putting the ball in play when you know, like, I guess, you know, you know, the number, and I don't, I haven't done this math and stuff like that, but I am intrigued. Okay. The number, how many two strike home runs get hit compared to the others? Like what percentage of home runs are hit when you're behind in the count? And, you know, so at some point I got to think putting the ball in play is still better than a strikeout. Absolutely. Nobody ever drove in a run with a strikeout. That's that, that is a, <laughs> see, I mean, we sometimes we overcomplicate sports, yep. don't we? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Curbs, great to have you with us. Uh, we'll be tuned in tomorrow night, and we're looking forward to that. And uh, let's go Blues. No, it's tonight. Oh, to- oh yeah. got a game tonight. Tonight, Wednesday. Yeah. yeah, you do. You Man, do, listen, Curbs. Okay. I, sure I've, been messed, I, I've been messed up for about a week. I was, I was a day ahead, so last Tuesday I thought it was Wednesday and on down the line. So the way I, I've been overachieving for a week here, we got to slow things down. <laughs> Good. Yeah, tonight, pregame at 8, Blues <laughs> and Ducks at 9 with Curbs and Joey. Thanks for reminding me. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right, man. We'll talk to you a little later. <laughs> See you later. Chris Kerber, Voice of the Blues on 101 ESPN. Yeah, let's make sure he's there. Yeah, I was looking up and I see 3-1, Blues versus Ducks, 8 o'clock. And yeah, it is 3-1. So yeah, Blues and Ducks tonight. It's hard to believe. We're in March. Yeah, it is. In like a lion, out like a lamb. It feels like... This kind of feels like a lamb. It feels like last March just started, though. Well, yeah, because you just missed a year. Yeah, we did. We blinked and a year is gone. (laughs) Coming up, we've got the fight for you. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. Welcome back to Character and Smallman here on this Monday morning. It is 8.36. That time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And we had a bit of a controversy to close the week out last week during the fight. So Jake joined us. And Danny Mac and I were Team Jake. We were pulling for Jake. It went all the way down to the tiebreaker. He and Randy tied during the fight, and then it went to the tiebreaker question. But Randy had a discrepancy with the way that the question was asked. And then people had texted in and said, we might have had some iteration of that asked before, so Randy would have known it. So anyway, Randy, air quotes, defeated our challenger again, Jake. And the text line went nuts. They said, justice for Jake. Jake needs to be brought back. This was not fair. Randy already knew the question. And Jake needs to come back since he tied Randy and get another crack at this. So that's exactly what we did. We brought Jake back this morning, and he is getting another shot at Randy Carricker. So, Jake, how was your weekend? Have you been stewing over this? 
No, not at all. I haven't been stewing over it. Honestly, uh, I'm just thankful for the opportunity to be back, uh, to tell you the truth. I know that Randy is uh, has been stewing all weekend, and I could hear it in his voice. Yes. I, li- I re-listened to our little segment here, and oh, man, I know he wants it bad. So I know if I don't get four correct today, I'm gone. So I had to do... <laughs> And only Randy character fashion. I had a, a powered a protein bar yeah. and a propel this morning to prepare. Whoa, you went propel on him. I sure did. Okay, Jake, that's the play. You have to inhabit Megamind's brain in order to defeat to. Megamind. I really like where your head's at. And the reason you're right that I asked you if you were stewing about this all weekend is because Randy has been stewing about this all weekend. Um, as, as they say in the sports world, I'm living rent-free in his head, so <laughs> I know where I'm at. <laughs> you are, Jake. I, not only are you living rent-free, but you're drinking his Propel. So That's right. Good position to be in. All right, well, let's see how you fared today. Question number one for you, Jake. What what one other Major League Baseball team besides the Cardinals did pitcher Mark Mulder play for during his career? Was it the Oakland A's, the Los Angeles Dodgers, or the Texas Rangers? The Oakland Athletics. Which Blues winger scored 16 points in the 2018-19 Stanley Cup playoffs? Was it Sammy Blay, David Perron, or Pat Maroon? I believe... I would go with Pat Maroon. Jake, which pitcher started game one of the 2011 World Series for the Cardinals? Was it Chris Carpenter, Kyle Loesch, or Jaime Garcia? Game one? Game one. Mm. It has to be Carpenter, right? He was the ace. And the Blues were swept twice by which team in their first three Stanley Cup appearances? Was it the Boston Bruins, Detroit Red Wings, or Montreal Canadiens? The Boston Bruins. All right, we're checking our score here. Randy is heading back in. And I got to tell you, Jake, as we're going through the questions for you, I know that Randy's going to know at least three of these. At least. At least three. At least yeah, three. So There's that's one. why I knew, I knew coming in I had to get at least four. I'm, or it, I, I have to push it to another tiebreaker or else I'm going home. You, ha- you have to go elite. Uh, Randy, before you say good morning again to Jake, I just want you to, to know that Jake ate a protein bar and drank a Propel this morning. He is inhabiting your brain. Jake, I love it. That, that's the way to go. Thank you very much for doing that because this is the way to live life, baby. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, Randy, uh, to beat the best, you got to be the best. So I think what better way to prepare than the, the man himself. <laughs> Appreciate that. It's a good strategy. Yeah, it is. I'm I not like mad it. at it at all. Randy. I'm intimidated. Are you? Yeah, I am. We told Jake. I asked Jake if he was doing about this all weekend, and he said not even one percent he didn't even give it another thought and i said well randy has randy has been thinking about it he's still he was not pleased this morning so i'm just thrilled to be back here again with you randy that's all Uh, thank you jake all right randy ready question number one Mm -hmm. what one other major league baseball team besides the cardinals did pitcher mark Mulder play for during his career he started and pitched for very well the oakland athletics now if we want to get into technicalities here, he actually did go to Anaheim about five years after he left here, but then he tore his Achilles and he never pitched again. He, he never pitched in a regular season game. But there you go. Well, the question was, who did he play P- Play for, for right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which Blues winger scored 16 points in the 2018-19 Stanley Cup playoffs? That would be the uh, playoffs in which they won the Stanley Cup. 
I think I'm going to go with Jaden Schwartz. Randy, which pitcher started game one of the 2011 World Series for the Cardinals? Game one, 2011 World Series. That game was played here in St. Louis against the Texas Rangers. And let's see. I, I think that might have been. Was it Carp? Should have been Carp, right? Because he pitched game seven. We had the yeah, it was Chris Carpenter. The Blues were swept twice by which team in their first three Stanley Cup appearances? They lost to Boston once and Montreal twice. So, final answer? Uh, yeah, Montreal Canadiens. <sighs> Close one again, but there's no controversy here. Emily, ring the bell. We have a winner and still champion, Randy Carricker. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs. Jake, my man, we were all pulling for you. Justice for Jake was trending, not only locally, but worldwide. People oh, wanted you to win. <laughs> but Randy is Megamind for a reason. He edged you out three to two. It was a close one, but he got you three to two. That's all right. You know, I know Randy's the best. And once again, like I said, whenever whenever you get beat by Randy, do you really lose? Because you get beat by the best. That's true. That's Thanks, true. Jake. And you got to propel out of the deal. All right. Here, let's reveal our answer. So Mark Mulder played for the Cardinals and the Oakland A's during his career. You guys both got this one wrong. This is the one I thought Randy might not know because once I saw the answer, I thought mm, this might be tricky. It was David Perron. He was the Blues winger who scored yeah. 16 points in the 18-19 Stanley Cup playoffs. Chris Carpenter, baseball Jesus, did start game one of the 2011 World Series for the Cardinals, and the Blues were swept twice by the Montreal Canadiens in their first three Stanley Cup appearances, 1968 and 69. Jake, it was great chatting with you again. Have a great week. You too, guys. Thanks again. Thanks, Jake. Good to have you with us on 101 ESPN. That is the fight. Coming up, we're going to head down to Florida, and Mike Claiborne, who is on the Cardinal Broadcast crew, will join us, and we'll talk some Redbirds on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. With Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. You hear Mike Claiborne on the Cardinal broadcasts on KMOX. He does a great job with his website, ClaibsOnline.com, and a couple of great interviews, including one with Jack Flaherty last week that you can check out at ClaibsOnline.com. We uh, visit with Mike Claiborne now. How you doing, my man? I'm doing great, man. Michelle, great to visit with you guys this morning. Well, first of all, you, uh, you're you like the mayor of Jupiter. How's everything going down there? <laughs> you know what? It's, uh, it's, it's a culture shock, man. I mean, everything is 100% here, all right, as far as restaurants and stuff. And, and I'm yet to take them up on it. So I try, when I do eat out, uh, I try and eat outside. Uh, but, you know, you they act like nothing ever happened around here. Now, granted, as I say that, you are required to wear a mask in, you know, supermarkets and places like that. And for the most part, they, they, uh, people respect that. But other than that, it's good. I mean, the weather's been terrific, a little breezy as it always is in uh, late February, early March. But uh, it's a different spring training, though. Uh, and, and I'll tell you this now. 
um, the lack of access and the lack of things that, that we've been accustomed to being part of uh, no longer exist. And that's been a little challenging as far as getting to know and see things and watch players do certain things. Um, it, it's been a little bit of a challenge for a lot of us, but, you know, my thing is, Mark it down on my resume. I've done it, and I don't ever have to do it again. Right. That's right. Hopefully this is a spring training unlike any other, hopefully. Oh, yeah. But it's, oh, in, yeah. it's interesting you say that, Claves, because one of my questions naturally would be to you, who's caught your attention thus far in spring training? But I did wonder last night what type of access the media has and if you even really got to observe players in the manner in which you're used to. Well, that's a good question. The answer would be initially yes, but really no. And what I mean by that is they have us in a like a guard tower. It's about two stories high, overlooking four different fields. Um, and you're, you're a great distance from all of these fields. So it's kind of hard to really get a feel for a guy and what he's trying to do, what kind of pitches they're throwing. Um, but, you know, it, it's something that while I'm not used to it, I'm trying to absorb it as much as I can. So that that's kind of how it is. I mean, you know, it's just and the way the Cardinals camps are, you know, Ali Marmol organizes their spring training, and there's not a wasted moment out here. So they're moving from station to station. But the other issue is they don't have everybody on the field at the same time. Some guys work out earlier than others. It's not like the conventional where you'd have 40 or 50 guys on the field and they're working on different things. You may have 20. You may have 15. And the, the hitting groups are even smaller as far as batting practice is concerned. So from that standpoint, it, it's hard to try and digest everything because you just don't see the whole body of work uh, on the field at one time. Claves, Michelle and I have been asking people this morning who they see as their Cardinals breakout player for 2021. Is there somebody that you expect to have a good year that isn't maybe known nationally but will be by the time we get to the postseason? You know, I heard you guys talking about that this morning. I'm going to go one step further. I'm going to say break out or break off. Uh, you know, because it's time for Bader, O'Neill, guys like that who we've seen in the organization for three, four, maybe five years. Uh, it, it's time for them to really take an assertive step. So I'm going to say Bader, and, and he tricks me every year. Like yesterday, he had a base hit or he had a double, which he could have easily made into a triple. When he hits the ball to right center or tries to knock the second baseman down, Randy, he's a really effective player. But when he tries to pull pitches and they throw him that slider away or they throw him something out of the strike zone, he looks like you or me. And he's got to become more disciplined. And if he's not, then they got to find somebody else. I mean, hey, Dylan Carlson can play center field. Mm-hmm. Okay, Lane Thomas can play center field. And while they may not possess the flair, uh, they can get the job done. And that's all I really care about. I don't care how many times you lay off for balls or any of that stuff. As long as you're making plays, that's all I'm looking for. So I would say Bader would be my breakout, breakout, breakoff player. Uh, Another guy who I think, because he's a baseball player, is Tommy Edmonds. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, his numbers are intriguing. But when you're watching, you're saying, you know, it's got to do many things wrong. You know, I mean, he's just a very sound player that I, I think can have a real fun year. Uh, everybody will talk about Carlson and Arnado and, and Goldschmidt. Those guys, I think that, that comes with the party. And I think the other guy has got to be Paul DeYoung. 
uh, he, he's got to show some consistency where a guy who prides himself in taking good care of himself physically runs out of gas a lot. And he gives away a lot of the bats late in the year. So they've got to get him on point and maybe get him some days off. I mean, you know, um, Edmundo Sosa, who we didn't see last year, he, he may have the best hands on the team. Hmm. Uh, but we just didn't see enough of him last year because of COVID. And, we well, we didn't see him at all. I mean, he was the only guy on the roster that we didn't see. COVID hit him, and it didn't do him well. So that that's a guy who's probably going to make this team. But, there, you know, there's a few guys that I think we need to see if they can do it or get off the pot. Claims going back to Bader, Jim Edmonds told us that he said to Bader, look, if it's spinning, just don't swing at it. And I, I get Joe, yeah. Torrey told, Joe, Joe Torrey told us every day, right? Hey, this is a really hard game. But it, he did make it to the majors. And maybe it is as simple as that. If it's spinning, if it's got a wrinkle, don't swing at it. Yeah, and you know what? If the guy gets you out on that pitch, then hooray for him. Okay? But the, the bottom line is they make a mistake more than you think. But you can't get yourself out. And that's what Bader does. He he helps the pitcher. And if, as, if he lays off that pitch and just says, no, I'm going to make him throw me a strike, then he's going to be more successful. And it's just it's discipline. It's discipline. It's discipline. And it's easy for us to talk about it, and, you know, because you've got a, a, a hair, a snap of a finger in order to make a decision on whether you're going to swing or not. And then, oh, by the way, when you do swing, could you kind of try and make contact with the ball? Uh, so it, it's a lot of things that go on, but he's got talent, he's got tools, but I think we're at a point now where we've got to get something out of him. Uh, I mean, I don't know any team in baseball is going to have their three outfields or two or three outfields hitting at the bottom of the order. Right. Claves, uh, you know, oh, go ahead, sorry. No, go ahead, Michelle. I was just going to say, a, a guy that's nominated pretty frequently here for, to be a breakout player, at least on our text line, is Alex Reyes. And Randy and mm-hmm. I would, bo- would both love to see him get a shot at the rotation, but it seems like the Cardinals want to keep him in the bullpen. If you were making that decision, what role would you like to see Alex Reyes in? He would be my long guy that would be my spot starter. So here, here's the thing that I think we've all got to come to grips with. You know, we hear a lot about, well, who's going to be a fifth starter? Well, who's going to be the fourth starter? Because I don't know if Adam Wainwright or Miles Michaelis are going to have 30 starts in them. So you're going to need two guys. to, to, to You're really going to need four guys to cover two spots because I don't think that the fourth and fifth starters will give you 30 starts uh, as an individual, which means you've got Carlos in the mix. You've got Gann in the mix. You've got Reyes in the mix. You know, And I think those three guys – will buy for more innings than you think. And I think Reyes is one of those guys that's going to be that. And, and you know, the, 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 the challenge is getting him enough work where he can stay sharp. I mean, you can't put him on the shelf and not pitch him for six or seven days because you don't have an opportunity to pitch him. And when you do, you want to go more than an inning. You know, I mean, he's a guy today because of the way the game works. We don't have anything called a specialist anymore where you can come out and get one guy out. You need a guy who can give you two innings when he comes in there just to save your bullpen. So I think he would be the prime candidate in that regard as being my longer guy, but he certainly would be my first go-to guy if somebody has a slow leak in a tire in, in the starting rotation.
Mike Claiborne is with us on 101 ESPN. Claves, I was listening to your interview and a great job with Jack Flaherty, and I was thinking about it afterwards because you and I have always had an appreciation for the thinking man's athlete, and he's clearly one Mm -hmm. of those. So he's thoughtful, he's competitive, he's obviously physically gifted. What doesn't Jack Flaherty have that he needs to be successful? Or or am I wrong in saying that he's got the whole package? Yeah, Yeah, he, he does. Uh, I think what he has to do, uh, his temperament, where he'll press a little bit, uh, and yesterday was a good example. You know, he wanted to come out and he wanted to have a good start. Well, Angel Hernandez thought differently, and he let that get him where he started spiking balls and maybe you know throwing across his body a little too much because he was trying to make the perfect pitch. You know, this is spring training, and one of the things, and you heard the interview, Randy, he likes to see what the hitter's reaction is when he throws certain pitches to see if it's on or not. That's good. But, you know, the problem is that when the umpire is part of that equation, he's got a different opinion, and then all of a sudden you don't know what a strike is and you don't know what to do. And he really didn't get hit hard yesterday. You know, they put the ball in play. But, you know, he's his complete I, you know, I, I'd have to go back. I'm just trying to think of who I could liken him to that we've seen as a Cardinal. And, and I'm just not sure who that person is because, you know, he hasn't had a lot of injuries. You know, he hasn't had any that have really set him back. He physically is the looks the part and condition-wise is as conditioned as anyone. You mentioned he's a thinker. He's got multiple pitches he can throw. And the one neat thing I like about him, Randy, he doesn't have to throw 98 miles an hour to get your attention. 94? 93 with movement, man, that gets the job done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's he's as prepared as anybody. I, I'm sure, as you heard the interview, when I asked him, what is he like, what's he doing all this extra time? He said, I'm watching video. So I'm thinking he's like the kids. I'm watching a video game. Or I'm playing video games. He's watching other pitchers' video from yesteryear and trying to find little things he can use to add to his repertoire. You know, Randy, guys like that don't don't come along no. that often. And and so when you hear that, and the other thing about it, which is even more intriguing, he and Dylan Carlson are sharing an apartment. So I'm wondering, are they ever going to get around to having that pitcher versus hitter conversation? And, and, you, and you remember Bob Gibson and Bill White, who were roommates. Mm-hmm. They, they wouldn't have that conversation because Bob always felt that I'm going to face this guy one day. And it might not be pretty. And he told him, hey, the only advice I can give you is don't ever lean out and try and pull a pitch on the outside corner. Well, they trade White to Philadelphia. On the whole, Bill tried to pull one. He fouled it. Next pitch, he hit him right in the elbow and broke his elbow. And he told him as he was going down the first baseline, I told you not to do that. And you did it anyway. So there's a price you got to pay for it. Legendary. So, so I don't think Jack and Carlson have gotten to that point yet. But uh, he is an interesting young man with some very, uh, very poignant thoughts. Uh, you know, he—he, he, I know you were part of the Zoom last week when he was talking about he hopes that National Women's Month gets as much attention as if not more than Black History Month. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a very conscious person about people and, and what goes on in the world. Um, and he's one of the leaders on this team. You can ask anybody around this ball club. He is one of the designated leaders on this ball club. So uh, we'll just wait and see how things go for him. But I'm expecting him to have a pretty good year. Claves, it's kind of amazing that we've gotten to this point in the interview and we haven't asked you about Nolan Arenado yet because it's, <laughs> it seems like that's a prerequisite with any Cardinal conversation these days. But it seems like he's fitting in really well with the, with his new team. 
Yeah, he is, Michelle. Uh, he is blending in well. He's not a hey-look-at-me guy. He's one of those guys that just wants to go play. And he's another video guy like Flaherty, and I know they, they, they talked about that. But, yeah, you know, and I think the only thing I hope, and we've all seen it when new guys come to St. Louis, they squeeze the bat a little too tight or they hold on to the stick a little too tight, and they're pressing. And they want to they wanna do things for the fans and the organizations, be it the Blues or the Cardinals. I just hope he finds a way to relax and let the game come to him. If he does that, we're going to have a whole lot of fun this year. Should be great. Claves, always great to have you with us. Thanks for taking the time this morning, and we will see you at the ballpark on April 8th. Well, fingers crossed, and we'll have some fans in the ballpark, and I'm looking forward definitely either seeing you guys or always talking with you, my favorites. Thanks, Claves. Appreciate that very much. Take care. Have a great day. You too. Well, I'm already having a good day. I'm going to go out and play 18 here in a bit. Oh, man. <laughs> You're the man. I love it. Take care. <laughs> Have you. a good day. All right. See you, Claibs. Mike Claiborne with us on 101 ESPN. You know, that's living. Being down in Florida this time of year, yep. Cardinal baseball, golf, sunshine. Pretty fantastic. <laughs> so, uh, Claibs gave us breakout or break off. So, if you've got a breakout or break off for us, we want to hear from you. Coming up, that's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It's 9.06 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Randy and Michelle with you, and we want to hear from you with your ideas for Cardinal breakout players in 2021. I think most people around the country that observe baseball feel like the Cardinals are going to be pretty good, but if they're going to be a team that wins the World Series, Michelle, if if they're going to compete with teams like the Dodgers and the Padres, they're going to have to get contributions from people that heretofore have yet to contribute at a really high i.e. superstar level. And we're not talking devil magic here. We're talking guys with the potential to reach that next tier, but they just haven't done it yet or done it consistently. And so we've asked for your mic drops with the 101 ESPN app. Your mic drops brought to you by Rhino Shield and Matthew checks in. I have to agree with Michelle. My breakout player for this year would be Dylan Carlson. My reasoning, it's a very simple fact. His second stint with the club last year, He passed the eye test. He just looked like he was locked in and looked like a ball player. My uh, bold prediction for him is 30 home runs. You heard it here first. I like that. And a switch hitter. Yep. And a guy who hits well from both sides of the plate. And I don't think that it can go... It can't be overstated how smart of a baseball player he is. He's a coach's son. Grew up around the sport. And I do think that those things that we're talking about with him hitting in front of Paul Goldschmidt, if indeed that's where he winds up hitting, that'll be a huge difference. He'll know what to expect walking into that situation. So this is only a 15-game sample size, but in his second stint, it was September 18th through the postseason, 289 average, 389 OBP, 578 slug, 967 OPS. If I can get a 967 OPS out of him, I'd be extraordinarily happy. 
And sometimes the easiest answer and the most obvious answer is still the correct answer. Yeah. Like, right. there's a lot of candidates to be the breakout player on this team, but Dylan Carlson is the one that you expect to break out. We expect 2021 to be the season where he fully arrives. Now, a couple of things here, and this applies not only to Carlson, but to Arenado and Goldschmidt as well. A couple of things come into play over the course of a 162-game season. Number one, We've got all these new buildings at uh, Ballpark Village. Mm-hmm. The wind is going to be different. The, the way the wind works within the confines of the bowl at Bush Stadium are going to be different. We don't know whether it's going to lead to more or less home runs. But also, Michelle, baseball has admitted the ball is going to be dejuiced this year. So we aren't going to have as many 30 home run guys as we've had in the past. And I, I think it's important for us to not be disappointed when Arenado doesn't hit 40 or when Carlson doesn't hit 30. Expect home runs to drop by about a third. And that's important because fans won't want to hear that, but it will be a reality. Right. Let's go to Michael next with a mic drop on 101 ESPN. Good morning, guys. So I am definitely drinking some of the Baterade this morning. I am going <laughs> with Harrison Bader for a breakout player. If he could just get his bat together, he'll be a good, solid player for the Cardinals this season. We already know his defense gold glove type material. He's good on the base pads, or at least speed-wise. So, yeah, if he can just get that bat together, I'll go with Harrison Bader. All right, Michael. Michelle, when he came up, and actually until last year, and it still might happen for him, but he needs to be coached up. He needs to get better. I looked at his profile, and it was so similar to George Springer. And I thought Jeff Albert coming over here, having worked with Springer, would be able to get some of the same sort of production out of Harrison Bader. But while Springer struck out a ton in his rookie year, he's gotten better and better at getting his bat on the ball and become more of the profile of a leadoff hitter that he is. And Bader has never really improved from that area. He's never ascended from striking out a bunch. I think it's going to be really interesting to see where he's put in the lineup and if they try to experiment with him at all. I hope so, because like I said earlier, I think number hitting number eight is a disservice to anybody. And I think you really need to be a disciplined hitter to hit number eight. And to this point, he isn't that guy. So I would hope that they'll give him an opportunity to at least hit up in the lineup a little bit more. I, I don't think the way things are right now and the way things have gone for Yadier Molina, I don't think it would be a bad thing for Yadi to hit eighth for this team. Mm-hmm. And then move your outfielders up and see what happens. I don't think he'll like that. No, he won't. But with the way that his production has gone the last several years and the way that he can handle the bat and as disciplined as he is, it might be the best spot for him right now. He's just not the power hitter that he once was. All right, let's get to Nathan here on 101 ESPN. I think KK is a big a big factor for the Cardinals this year and a big breakout candidate because we talk about the three, four, five spots in the rotation, how many starts will Wayno make, Michaelis, who's going to be the five. But KK needs to have a really good year too because he needs to be a solid number two after Flaherty and hopefully he can uh, replicate what he did last year but over 162 games. And if he does, the Cardinals, I think, will have a super good one-two punch there at the top of the rotation. That's absolutely true. KK was mentioned earlier in the show, but it's such a great 
point, a great candidate for uh, a, quote, breakout person, even though what we saw out of him in 2020 was really exceptional. But what is he going to look like in this next year? What is it, What is he going to look like for an entire season? What is he going to look like now that there's more of a scouting report on him? You know, the way that KK moved from a pacing standpoint, he'd like to keep hitters off, off kilter. Is that something now that hitters are going to be expecting from him? It's going to be interesting to see how he adjusts over a full season, but I have no reason to believe that KK won't be stellar for the Cardinals and be a great breakout candidate. I don't even know if he applies as a breakout guy. We want to see it again, but I think last year was probably a breakout for him, right? I think locally we saw it and we can look at that as a breakout, but he's a guy that if he gets off to a good start could make an all-star team. So I'm looking more at the possibility of him breaking out on a national level. Oh yeah, good point. And by the way, Miles Michaelis, uh, he was supposed to have a throwing session. His sim game has been pushed back out of caution. He was supposed to have a sim game today, and Michaelis will not throw today. Make you nervous at all? Yep. Me too. Yep. Hey, anytime a guy has a forearm issue, and he had forearm surgery, I kind of look at it as ultimately he's going to have Tommy John. (sighs) Scary thought, but possible. It's what happens today. That's likely with a modern pitcher, right? You know, it's likely to happen at some point. Um, You want to text Randy? Sure. How about this one from the 573? Lane Thomas is my breakout player. 20 home runs, 85 RBI, 875 OPS. That's a big time breakout. I like that call. That's fantastic. And let's get one more mic drop. Keith has been kind enough to check in here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Randy, Michelle, Harrison Bader. Come on, guys. Look at his numbers his entire professional career from the time he started in rookie ball to last season. The guy cannot hit right-handed pitching. I don't care if it's curveball or slider or fastball or changeup or what it is. The guy cannot hit right-handed pitching, and he's not going to change. The best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. I don't see it happening. You are correct about that, and you just have to hope that at some point, and it does happen occasionally with hitters, that he'll be able to lay off the breaking ball and understand what hitting is all about. Mm-hmm. And you're right, he hasn't hit right-handed pitching because he's allowed pitchers to dominate him with breaking stuff. That's what it is. If they throw him fastballs, he hits fastballs. But he's been dominated by breaking stuff. What What did Jim Edmond say? Yeah. If, if, it's, if, it's if it's spinning, spinning, don't swing. If it's spinning, lay off. Yeah, <laughs> not that hard. Well, we I say that it, for, for them... It shouldn't be that hard, but I always go back, man, Joe Torre every day when the team was struggling or a player was struggling, he'd say, this game's hard. <laughs> yeah. I promise if, you, if you're standing in that batter's box, yeah. it's pretty hard. <laughs> hey, thanks very, very, very much for all of your input. Coming up, PGA players honored Tiger Woods yesterday. Who else has been honored like that? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. The PGA Tour was in Florida. They've started their Florida swing. And yesterday, Michelle... Many, many of the PGA Tour golfers wore the Tiger Woods red shirt with black pants and a black hat. And Tiger went to Twitter to thank them. He said, it's hard to explain how touching today was when I turned on the TV and saw all the red shirts. To every golfer and every fan, you are truly helping me get through this tough time. And obviously, he suffered severe injuries in that car accident last week. And he is so iconic 
on that tour and among the players that they took it upon themselves for the most part to make this statement that, hey, Tiger, we are here and we're thinking of you and supporting you. I thought it was a great move by the golfers that participated to do this. And if you're going to show support for Tiger, what's a better way to do it than to wear his uniform, to wear the red and the black and do it on a Sunday? And it's just really a great emblem of what he stands for and the way that I think about Tiger in the red and the black on the Sunday is he's in the hunt. Tiger is a fighter. You better watch out because he's coming and that is also representative of the fight that he's going to be in right now and this long road to recovery. So I think showcasing what he's meant to golf in that manner also probably as he mentioned in the social media posts lets him know who he is as he approaches a really tough stretch. And Michelle Colin Morikawa won the Workday Championship in Bradenton. He actually planned to join the others in wearing the red and black, but the gear from his apparel company didn't arrive in time. So he had to wear uh, regular clothing, his normal scripted clothing, but he still was able to honor Tiger. Yes, he was. By winning. Tiger means everything to me. And, you know, yes, he had the crash, and thankfully he's all right, and hopefully he has a quick and and great recovery. Um, But I don't think we say thank you enough. So I want to say thank you to Tiger Um, because, you know, sometimes you you lose people too early, and that's like, you know, Kobe, I lost my grandpa about a month ago. um, And you don't get to say thank you enough. So thank you, guys. What a great sentiment and he's absolutely right because how many guys are on that tour because of Tiger Mm -hmm. and how many guys have probably been in Tiger's orbit or had interactions with him but they want to be professional they don't want a fanboy they they you know want to be his peer because they are in that moment but you never really do take the time or the opportunity to say thank you to someone like that who has been an icon for you. They're the reason. They're the why. Tiger Woods is the why for a lot of the young golfers that we're seeing on tour right now. They grew up watching him be so dominant and be so cool and take golf into a completely different stratosphere. And instead of maybe picking up a baseball bat or a hockey stick, they said, you know what? Give me the give me the irons. I want to go out there and be Tiger Woods. And so many players have been honored because of Premature death. Tyler Skaggs, a couple of years ago of Mm -hmm. the Angels, was honored by, among others, Jack Flaherty of the Cardinals. Carlos Martinez switching to number 18 in honor of Oscar Tavares. And a lot of players during that postseason put an OT18 on their caps. But for players that have been injured and for athletes to say, get well, there just there aren't many examples of that happening. Well, that's because you don't have many Tiger Woods. He is Mm -hmm. in very, very rarefied air um, to be the number one person for so long in your sport, but also be so transcendent and go outside of your sport, outside of golf, into pop culture and just our general consciousness. Tiger Woods is so much more than just a golfer. So when you reference someone like Tyler Skaggs, of course that is so tragic what happened to him, but normally the people that knew him and or the team will honor him. It's it's rare to see an entire league or an entire sport want to honor one person, one singular person. But I think that truly just speaks to the impact of someone like Tiger Woods. Yeah, and go back do you remember when Monica Seles got stabbed? Yes. On the court. And social media certainly wasn't what it is now. But I don't even remember in press conferences. I know people talked about the horror of it. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember the the outward support saying 
you know, hey, and I'm sure that there was inward support people calling her and sending telegrams and stuff. I don't even know if we had texts then, but people were very supportive of her, but not so outwardly. And it sounds like this was something that was organic. You had Rory, who obviously is a Nike guy, mm-hmm. and they had all that, all the access. And Finau, they, they've got plenty of red shirts and black pants at, at Nike. Right. Justin Thomas, uh, Phil Mickelson, Tommy Fleetwood, Annika on the women's tour, the maintenance staff at the Puerto Rico Open, and that picture was great of all of those guys wearing that. And... Tiger is a guy who uses Bridgestone balls. So Bryson DeChambeau, Jason Day, and Matt Kuchar all use the Tiger stamped Mm -hmm. Bridgestone ball too. Which is very cool. And I wonder too how much something like social media allows people to have a platform and a voice to express their feelings in a situation like this. When Kobe passed, that's the first thing everyone did, especially people who are in the basketball space or who knew Kobe or played with him or just even were inspired by him. Someone like Jack Flaherty, who was able to go to social media and express their feelings and their gratitude for the impact and the influence that someone like Kobe Bryant has. But Back in the day, you didn't have that. You didn't have that. Maybe a press conference or maybe one person could do something to express how they felt about another player if that were to happen. But it's it's pretty rare the confluence of things that we are ha- have happening at our time. It's someone with the power and the influence of Tiger Woods plus the time that we live in where we do have platforms right. to speak out about things. And at the end of the day... If these players all get what they're hoping for, and we're all hoping for a full recovery for Tiger Woods, they're rooting for a guy to come back and beat them. Absolutely. (laughs) But how many of those guys would happily lose? They would love it. Happily lose to see Tiger Woods come back and beat them. And these guys who grew up emulating and idolizing Tiger Woods know that he is, if anyone has the mental toughness needed to go through a rigorous, rigorous rehab and in any way come back they're not going to put it against tiger woods and by the way michelle you and i have talked about it and we saw it firsthand how tiger has been humanized he was Mm -hmm. not really he, he was considered robotic for the better part of his career but certainly by 2018 in the pga here he had been humanized and to see him be touched by the actions of those on the pga tour That just further humanizes him to say, I was touched by something and thanking all those guys. And not that he wouldn't, but that was pretty cool that they had that effect on him. Oh, absolutely. When he was at the top, though, he was robotic and he almost had to be. He had to compartmentalize certain things because it's what gave him a mental edge. If you watch the documentary, you saw Mm -hmm. that he didn't even celebrate after winning majors. He was, it's on to the next, turn the page, on to the next, Bill Belichick, on to Cincinnati, on to the U.S. Open, whatever it was. But I think when he did have a fall from grace and he had to reevaluate things, it made, I, I think... More than humanizing him because it did that, it forced us to look at him in a different light. When you have the deepest, darkest corners of your personal life exposed bare in front of the entire world, we're forced to look at you as a human and not Mm -hmm. as a golfer. We're looking at your marriage. We're looking at, you know, addictions and, and things that everybody else deals with. Everybody else deals with issues in their personal life. And if Tiger Woods is dealing with that, we're forced to look at him through a different lens. But I do think from a golf perspective, it allowed him to loosen up and relax a little bit. And you've heard so many golfers talk about a different Tiger on tour when he's able to compete and how he does have a 
genuine camaraderie with the guys that he's playing with now. One other quick anecdote. After that 2018 season, when he'd come back and he he had won not only, well, he'd won the World Golf Championship down in, at Eastlake in Atlanta. And ESPN did a piece called uh, Restore the Roar. And Tiger was reliving what happened here. And one of the cool things, he said, all those St. Louis people were wearing their Cardinals gear on Sunday. So it was like they were supporting me. It was like they were wearing their red for me. Mm-hmm. And so that affected him then. So I can see why yesterday would have affected him. But he uses that as kind of a mental advantage when other people are wearing that Sunday red. And how many people can do that? One. <laughs> one, but you know, one. They're wearing something and they're supporting me. There's one, <laughs> but but that would overwhelm some people to to see that and mm-hmm. and think, oh, pressure. You know, I better yep. perform. All these people are are out here wearing their red. They're trying to emulate me, but it takes a special person to be able to use wow. that to their advantage and embrace it to the point where. If I was wearing a Cardinal shirt that day, I wasn't wearing it because I was thinking, oh, Tiger, it's Sunday. It's a, right. I, I'm wearing my Cardinal stuff, right? Right. But he took it as, oh, they're wearing the red to support me. He, he embraced it that way, which is very cool. Yeah. Next up, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> All right. It was a busy weekend that provided a lot of material for Michelle. You're killing me, Smalls. Seems like any time I turned on the TV, Randy, or I took to social media, I saw one name. One name. Russell Wilson. (laughs) Russell Wilson. We cannot escape these rumors about Russell Wilson in Seattle. And will there be another quarterback franchise divorce here? Uh, We knew at the end of last week that some names had been presented to the Seahawks and or leaked out to the public about potential landing spots for Russell Wilson, places where he would agree to slash want to land. That included the Cowboys, the Bears, the Saints, and the Raiders. Well, on Get Up this morning on ESPN, Kimberly Martin, who is an ESPN reporter, says that this is just a little bit more than rumors. We think it's probably not going to happen, but she says, hang on. She Here's the quote, Randy. She says, the thing I hear from everyone is Russell isn't going anywhere, but where there's smoke, there's fire. That doesn't necessarily mean that the Seattle Seahawks will trade him this year, but the fact that Russell's unhappiness has now leaked into the public sphere that we're privy to what these issues are because there may have been chatter over the last couple years about how they draft, how they go after free agents, how he's been protected with his O-line, but now we have teams. There are actually four teams that Russell through his camp put out and said these aren't bad options and if you're one of those teams you better pick up the phone well I'll start with this when we were into week 16 and 17 of the NFL season and people were talking about Carson Wentz getting traded most observers were saying well there's no way they could take that cap hit he got traded Jerry Goff massive hat cap hit got traded uh, Matthew Stafford massive cap hit got traded so it's not like teams care about cap hits anymore so that's part of it The next part would be, what is Russell Wilson worth? He's a guy that is annually a top five MVP candidate. Even though he's never received a vote for MVP, he's annually a candidate to win that award. So why wouldn't teams be interested in giving up the farm for him? If he gets traded, all due respect to Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, he'll be far and away the best guy traded until Deshaun Watson does, Mm -hmm. that will get moved this offseason. And teams should be willing, if the Washington football team, then the Washington Redskins were willing to give up 
three first-round picks for Robert Griffin III, then teams should be willing to give up a quarterback and four first-round picks for Russell Wilson. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would think that that... If I'm Seattle, that would be the starting point. Yeah. That's exactly what I would think. But this is such an interesting list. The Cowboys, the Bears, the Saints, and the Raiders. Because you could make a great case for why all four teams should mortgage the future to go after Russell Wilson. Right. And how the Bears made this list, I have no idea. Mm, Wisconsin. Chicago's the third biggest market in the country. Maybe Sierra's looking at Chicago being a central location. She can, you know, fly to either coast fairly frequently. I don't know. Um... Yeah, but if I'm the Bears, you better believe I'm the first team calling. Yeah, <laughs> if I'm, right. on, if I'm yeah. on the list, I'm, I am definitely picking up the phone. But for the Cowboys, you know that it's been a tenuous situation with Dak and you're America's team. And this is a quarterback league to get a, a proven winner like Russell Wilson to be the quarterback of the Cowboys. Easy win for them. We just mentioned the Bears. You have uh, Patterson. He's making his profile picture. He and Russell Wilson, he's tweeting at him. Mm-hmm. He's certainly making the pitch. The mayor of New Orleans took to social media to lobby why Russell Wilson and Sierra would be big fits there. But of all the teams on this list, it seems like the Raiders to me are the biggest no-brainer. And we were talking about this a little bit off the air. You have a team that's in Vegas. This is one of the big Hollywood show showstopper, showtime, you know, entertainment hubs of America. Sierra would obviously fit in great there. You have a team that could be put in a position to take a next step, and you have leaders on that team, people, the the powers that be decision makers like Mike Mayock and John Gruden, who have that long contract. They're locked in for a while. They have the stability to be able to roll the dice on their future and go after a guy like Russell Wilson. And their nucleus is young enough on both sides of the ball since they've drafted and they, they they've made some mistakes in terms of drafting guys to rush the passer but they've got a young running back they've got really young receivers a young offensive line a very young defense they could afford to give up three or four number one picks to get Russell Wilson because he would put them over the top immediately mm-hmm. he he puts them in the conversation heck they were one of the teams that beat Kansas City a, a healthy Kansas City last year he puts them in the conversation with the Chiefs at the top of the AFC. Russell Wilson himself would do that. And this is a franchise in a new market. And what better way to put butts in seats than by going out and getting mm-hmm. Russell Wilson? Right. And one other point that we should make about him, about them, is that they could move Derek Carr. And Derek Carr isn't, as the old phrase goes, chopped liver. He, mm-hmm. he could play for a Pete Carroll team and help a Pete Carroll team win. If you're Seattle and... The, the cap hit would be the biggest issue, but if you could get Carr and four number ones for Russell Wilson, that's something that you have to think about. If you're being offered Dak Prescott and you can work out a deal with him and get three or four number ones from the Cowboys, you do that. If you're New Orleans, I don't I don't know what New Orleans could... I know that there's nothing that they could give up from a quarterback perspective. They would have to give up a ton of picks and they'd have to have Drew Brees retire, which is no guarantee apparently at this point. I don't think the Bears, they don't have... Uh, unless they would be willing to trade a Khalil Mack to Seattle, I don't think that they really have the capital to go out and make that move short of four or five first-round picks. 
You're killing me, Smalls. Well, it's interesting that you bring up Drew Brees because a video got people a little worked up over the weekend. So his trainer, Drew Brees' trainer, Todd Durkin, posted a video of Drew Brees pushing the weighted sled. And he, he had a, a line of delineation where he was supposed to stop. Drew kept going. He kept going with the with the weights there. And in the video, Todd said, oh, he's never done this before. Something must be brewing. I emoji. And it got, he also said somebody got a little squirrely today. So it got a lot of people talking. Why is Drew Brees still working out this intensely in the offseason? Why is his trainer posting these crisp with Todd's playing games? Why is Todd posting these things with the eye emojis getting everyone talking if Drew Brees is, in fact, planning on retiring? Drew advice. Love that you're working out. But show us a video of you strengthening your arm so that you can throw it downfield again. If you're coming back. I want to see you be able to throw. That's the video I want to see. I don't want to see you dragging sleds or anything like that. Yeah, we're not trying to be the best at working out, right? Right. We Just be able to throw again throw if you're going to come back. But but still, the trainer doesn't post a video like that and no. tag Drew Brees and Chase Daniel without Drew knowing what was going on. And maybe he likes the the debate. Maybe he likes to get people talking because it's fun for him. But... I would be shocked if he returned, wouldn't you? I would. But I also wonder, because he already has the contract from NBC Mm -hmm. when he retires. So what would the point be? Unless you're trying to show people that you plan on coming back, what would be the point of turning out that video? Like I said, maybe it's just the attention. Maybe he thinks it's fun to be the talk of shows like ours. And I'm sure they're talking about it on ESPN Mm -hmm. all day. Maybe he thinks it's a fun game. But yeah, what is your intent otherwise? Unless you truly do plan to come back. And everybody's built different. But I tell you what, if I was planning on going to the booth, I would not be pushing. I would not be pushing weights like that. I'd be hanging out. I'd be relaxing. And if you're Breeze and the season ended the way it did, and then you saw Brady win the Super Bowl, and Brady's two years older, you're probably thinking, I can do that. Now, he probably isn't able to do that, but he might be thinking he can. How many people did Tom Brady inspire? How many guys (laughs) over 40 or let's just say over 37 maybe because that is a a more fair cutoff point. How many guys over 37 who are professional athletes now did Tom Brady's Super Bowl victory inspire and maybe falsely inspire? I was shocked that Phillip Rivers retired. (laughs) Me too. So did I. And even though he has the family and we knew that this might be the the last ride for him. There's a lot, Randy. Yeah. There's a lot. There's a squad there. Um, but with the the way that the Colts were set up and the way that he played this year, I thought for sure he might come back for one last hurrah. And just because of the Brady thing. Well, if Brady's doing that, I can do it too. Yeah. But no. No. Thanks, Michelle. You got it, Randy. And thank you very much for your texts to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Oh, by the way, we should note, that tomorrow, speaking of Tom Brady, a guy who was drafted ahead of Tom Brady, former Rams quarterback Mark Bulger, is going to join us. Mark Michelle is trying to make, uh, with a group of former NFL players, the 2022 U.S. curling team for in Beijing. Incredible. Yeah. So we'll talk to him about curling, filling his competitive void an interesting next chapter (laughs) in his athletic career so mark bulger tomorrow morning at 8 45 here on character and smallman next up we're going to cross things over with danny mac dan mclaughlin coming your way on 101 espn we're right back to the character and smallman podcast on 101 espn (laughs) 
Sam McLaughlin show is coming up here on 101 ESPN with Brandon Kylie. Danny is with us in studio now, and Michelle and I both got it. I'm sure all of Cardinal Nation got a kick out of uh, your comment about Angel <laughs> Hernandez yesterday. Yeah. So uh, good. <laughs> That zone was moving a little bit, I thought, and it was moving early and moving in the middle, moving late. But, hey, it's spring training. It's okay. We're all getting the kinks out. So uh, move on and um, looking forward to the game tomorrow. We've got the game tomorrow at noon, the game on Wednesday at noon, and then the next televised game will be on Sunday. So I I really enjoyed it. I I thought uh, seeing Arenado's uh, first at bat, it would have been great to have a full house there. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, we don't. It was, what, 12, 13, 1,300 people or whatever. Um, but it was neat just to hear the ovation. You could still get a sense that people were excited to see him. Uh, I liked what I saw at a couple of the outfielders. Tyler O'Neill with a great catch. I thought Bader looked good. I loved Dylan Carlson going the other way from the right-handed side. Um, I thought John Gant looked nasty. I great. Thought, yeah, I thought Cabrera looked great. So a lot of positives to take away from a 4-4 tie. Um, it was your delivery, Dan, with the Angel Hernandez line. Just perfection. He, You also were in midseason form. Well, just I, want to let you know that. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm not so sure I was, but there was a couple of pitches early on, and Jimmy and I are kind of looking like, man, those are those look pretty good. You know, <laughs> yeah. So it was just having a little fun. But, Go ahead, oh, I was just going to say, zone aside, though, what did you think of what you saw to Jack Flaherty? You know, I, I don't think you ever can use the strike zone as an excuse. Um, so I... I I don't, and I thought he started to get. I, I the way I watched him, he was pressing a little bit, and then you could see mechanically he got out of whack. So he had 37 pitches, um, and that's look. It's his first start. I don't put hardly anything into it. Um, just the, the the main thing I take out of it is he got to 37 pitches, which I was surprised he would even go that much. I thought his velocity was really good early on. He was blowing it by a couple of guys. And um, and he comes away injury free. Uh, that's how I look at it. And mm-hmm. I bet he's really good, or at least much better, in his next time out. We were talking to Mike Claiborne earlier, and I asked, and I want you to weigh in on this because there's not many Cardinal pitchers that have been the complete package that that think that are really competitive, that put the work into it, and then are as physically gifted as Jack Flaherty, but. Mike said that one his one kryptonite is that he does get affected by bad calls, and he yeah. thinks about it. Can't do it though. No, you yeah, can't. You know, uh, and he's young enough so that you know you just move on to the next pitch. It's it's just what you have to do. And Gant, uh, seeing him, he had a couple of walks and some of those pitches I thought were strikes and good pitches. And especially early in spring training, a lot of times zones a little bit bigger anyway mm-hmm. because you're just trying to get through the game and get let the guys get their work. Um, but I, I, you know, look, it, it's his first start, and I bet Jack is fine next time out. I, I don't even worry one bit about him. I really don't. I'm assuming you guys don't either. No, not at all. Not at all. I think he'll be fine next time. Yeah. I also thought the lineup was interesting, and obviously they won't have. Very interesting. We don't think they'll have the DH on opening day. I wouldn't think so. But then again, I didn't think they'd do it last year. No, we didn't. So remember, I I think when they decided to include the DH last year, it was like in the beginning of the first game. Yeah, right. You know, they're like, yeah, we're going to throw the DH in. Okay, that's part of the game. Um, I don't know why I feel this way. I still think they're going to do it. Everybody wants it. It just makes too much sense. Just come together and make it happen. Yeah, because if you do have it, you're only going to have it for a year anyway, which is preposterous. Why bring it back? You didn't have it last year. Bring it back for a year, and then in your next CBA, you aren't going to have it anyway. Oh, I think you will. The, 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 no, I, I mean, you aren't going to have the DH after tw- – this would be the last year that you ever had pitchers hitting, yes. 2021. So non-DH. Yeah, the yes. rule. Yes, I agree. I, I think it'll be universal DH across the board. Yeah. Um 
It'll, it pr- provides big money jobs. Everybody seems to want it. Not a lot of people are intrigued with hitters or uh, pitchers hitting. They're hitting, you know, and they haven't done it now in a year and a half yep. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you're trying to get more offense in the game. So this is pretty easy fix in that regard. So my question would be, April 1st, one month from today, in Gosh. Cincinnati, we have the DH. April 1st. It's March 1st today, isn't it? Yes, it, it is. is. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's March. exciting. March Madness. There we go. Could Matt Carpenter hit second and be the DH for the Cardinals on opening day in Cincy? Sure. I, I think he could. I I would prefer to see maybe a Dylan Carlson batting second. I would too. And, and having Carpenter down in the lineup. Again, we've got 30 days to figure this out to see how it plays out. But um, I think a byproduct of looking at the lineup yesterday was a couple things I took away. Tommy Edmond is going to be at the top and get the first crack at being the leadoff guy. And you got a sense of where he's going to put Goldschmidt Arenado 3-4 instead of 2-3, or would the other one flip-flop? I don't think that's going to be the case. I sure like Dylan Carlson as a switch hitter batting second. Now, I know that both your switch hitters at the top, I get it, you could spread it out, and you know maybe it, it makes the opposition maneuver with what they want to do out of their pen, but I, I like that. The main threat of our show today was who's going to be the breakout star for the Cardinals this year. Mm. Randy chose Tommy Edmond. I went easy choice and went Dylan Carlson. That was my two choices. I was going to ask who your nominee was. Yeah, I I think I go Dylan. That's who I'm going with. Sometimes the easiest answer is the correct answer. That's correct. And you expect him to break out this year. That's exactly right. I do. We did have several people weigh in with KK, and I do think nationally... KK. But is it a breakout year for That's him? That's what I said. I, I think he was great last year. I get it. He, I mean, I understand where they're coming from, but he's been a longtime professional. That's and, true. You know, that's why I look at more of a younger player as a breakout. Here's the thing. I think that he could be a guy that, as we start this season, because really nobody got a chance to know him, I think he could be on an all-star team in 2021. Agreed. I think they're going to really be slow with him, Andrew Miller, Michaelis here in uh, spring training. Mike Schilt actually addressed the media uh, within the last hour, and uh, Adam Wainwright will go tomorrow. So maybe that's your game two starter, as we mm-hmm. have kind of talked mm-hmm. about, and then would get the home opener in St. Louis, and then it lines him up for two home starts in that first home stand. Um, and we're going to see Daniel Ponce de Leon tomorrow as well. New I, number for Ponce, 32. Yes, and I saw... Uh, well, let's see. I, I thought Alex Reyes, I should have mentioned how good did he look oh, yesterday. Awesome. Pretty good. Yeah. Like his first six pitches, I think I said it on the air, but his first six pitches were 96 or above coming out of the shoot in February. Pretty good. Yeah. I'm pretty trying good weapon. to temper my Alex Reyes excitement. It's hard. I, I'm with you. I, tried, I, I try to keep it contained. <laughs> I'm with you. I, I always have said... The debuts that I, I saw, Ricky Ankiel, I did his game in Montreal when he made his Major League debut. I saw Albert Pujols make his Major League debut. I'm not sure I've seen a more electrifying debut than Alex Reyes. That wow. night in Cincinnati, was, or against Cincinnati in St. Louis, was mind-blowing how good he was. I think it was Votto. I got goosebumps thinking about it. Somebody was up there, and Joey Votto backed away from the plate and looked back at Yachty and kind of did one of those, like, Oh, wow. You know, like one of those kind of things is reactions that the players do with each other. I remember he did that and there was a right hander that came in and he buckled him. It was a good right handed hitter and buckled his knees and and he's throwing, you know, high 90s, 100, whatever it was. And you thought the sky's the limit for this guy. And I still feel that way, but I got to temper it because of the injuries and the, the what he's been through the last four years. So I just 
I temper it. Yeah. I, I, just, I hope for the best. He's a great kid, too. As an aside, we got the text last week, and I didn't read it, but should goosebumps be added to the My Goodness meter? Oh, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it? I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure I, that that segment was flying. It was great. I'm not so sure. I like I, I, it's, it may have to be an internal meeting that we all have normally between 8 and 10 every night with Emily leading the charge mm-hmm. to see if we bring that back. I think we need to. Yeah, It's going to Sometimes it's gonna it takes catch on, two huh? to three times. Yeah. It, okay. Maybe a little bit more yeah. pop culture in that. You, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Maybe okay. a little bit more pop culture. See, here culture. I was, Dan, yeah. thinking you wanted more baseball. That was my bad. Oh, no. I Look, I can turn we'll left, turn right, wherever you want to go with this we stuff. We will pop culture you all day, <laughs> I'm friend. sure you will. You're all <laughs> over it, Michelle. And Dan, and we are not. <laughs> this has been a Sunshine Lollipops Fun Times segment, so I'm going to end it for you on a sad note that your friend Jake did not win the fight this oh, morning. Oh, no. I was Team Jake, and I, I didn't yeah. hear it. I had an appointment, so... You know, justice for Jake. What happened? He couldn't did, wait to tell you. See that? Did, he couldn't wait to him? rub that in. Only 3-2. Oh, okay. But he won. Uh, you know, no. Dan. So now you get to open it up for the rest of the listeners. I think if you're... <laughs> I think maybe what you should do, <laughs> since Jake was so kind to all of us mm-hmm. and Mike Ryder, yeah. everybody, is maybe do best two out of three. <laughs> I'm just, I'll throw it out there. Well, we I'm, technically have now done two out of three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've well, done two. We've done two. Oh, yeah. Randy did get on the technicality of, yeah. Dan, he Babe Ruth did. He came in today and called his shot and said, oh, I, did you? He goes, I guarantee we will have a new fighter tomorrow. Yeah. Did I, you really? I, I went to uh, Joe Namath. You came in guns a blazing, yeah. didn't yeah, you? Yeah, did. Did you know that when Joe Namath made that guarantee by the pool in Miami before Super Bowl three, Brent Musburger was in the group? Yes. Wow. It's kind of like when you look at the Hank Aaron 715 mm-hmm. yeah. and, and waiting there with the recorder on his shoulder and the microphone there and the long cord that we used to carry all the time. Uh, there's Craig Sager. Yeah. Oh, it's incredible. Wow. You know, just some of the, the, the Tom House with the the catch. Yep. Of that home run ball. Yeah. Dusty Baker on deck. Uh, it's just oh, yeah. crazy stuff. You think about the people that were involved yeah. in some of these great moments. Yeah. What do we got coming up? Well, we did have a cancellation of Billy Wagner. Oh, come so on, Billy. So he'll be with us later. He's getting his arm worked on or something. Who knows? He probably could come out and fire 100. Who knows? But uh, we're going to effort to try to get Boston Jr. on because oh. Slew has got a big game tonight. Senior night. Senior night. Uh, sad that we can't send off Goodwin in French properly. And good yeah. news for Slew that Javante Perkins has decided to come back. That is really good news. Yeah. Good looking player. For, looking forward to it. All right. Thanks, Thank guys. Uh, great job today by our producer engineer, Emily Butcher. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Michelle, this has been fun for a Monday. Always, Randy. It's See you a, tomorrow. It's always fun. It's always fun. And by the way, tomorrow, uh, U.S. curling candidate Mark Bulger is going to join us. So be around for that. How about that? He's trying to make the U.S. curling team for the Olympics next year. Is that right? Yeah. So no he, kidding. He'll be with us tomorrow morning. That's awesome. What, don't a lot of those guys they, they him, get into Jared Allen, Keith yeah. Bullock? There's a former group of a group of former NFL players. Down in Nashville that are doing it. Cool. So for all of us, thanks for tuning in, texting, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. 
TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast1 to learn more and start your free trial.